When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is Sid and friends in the morning? Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off even by lighting up to my friends to star the show. Oi, oi. I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC Sid Rosenberg. Oy, this oy. is Sid and friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. 77 WABC. New details are emerging about the daring evacuation of nearly 100 U.S. diplomatic personnel and their families from Sudan's capital, Khartoum. It was carried out by U.S. Special Forces as two top generals and their soldiers battle for control of the country. Thousands of Americans, many of them dual citizens, remain caught in the crossfire. Presidential politics now as potential Republican candidates descend on the key state of Iowa. Many speaking this weekend to the state's Faith and Freedom Coalition. Taking the stage at a presidential candidate forum, former Vice President Mike Pence. Trump not attending the event in person, but sending this video message. We will make America great again. Other Republican hopefuls there too, like former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. One notable absence, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. It's not over. Not even close to being over. Um, we'll continue to keep focusing on one day at a time. And um, there's nothing to celebrate. There's nothing to be truly happy about. Obviously, we'd be one tonight. We're one step closer. But we have continue to have that same mindset mentality and, um, that we have um, over the past couple of games.
Boy, you talk about running the gamut there in that little news briefing we do at the top of every show. <laughs> Go from this really courageous evacuation of over 100 American diplomats in Sudan. We've left like a thousand people behind. I mean, we're not talking about that this morning. We're just talking about the courageous evacuation. But nevertheless, at least 100 diplomats are safe. And you go from that to Jalen Brunson. That was the last voice you heard. You heard, of course, about Iowa, the, the big weekend, the Faith and Freedom Convention. Mike Pence, who continues to kill himself. I mean, he just he just kills himself on and on about pro-life and get rid of the abortion pill and it's just political suicide. I mean, if, if that's the way you feel, God bless you. If you're living your life by the Bible, God bless you. Not me. That's a real old book, folks. Real old book. <laughs> but if that's how you want to do it, you're just not going to win. I mean, you, you, you can't be taken seriously as a, uh, as a contender here. Not that he was before anyway, but Trump a little better in his approach to abortion. So you heard all that. And then, of course, Jalen Brunson. You know, I texted Mike Breen right after that incredible Nick win yesterday. What's great about Mike Breen is the game is over about 15 minutes. That's it. This was the ABC game yesterday. It wasn't the local MSG with Mike Breen and Hall of Famer Walt Clyde Frazier. This was the trio of Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson. All of New York roots, of course. Mike Breen, New York guy. Mark Jackson went to St. John's. Drafted by the Knicks, played with Patrick Ewing, Jeff Van Gundy, assistant coach for Pat Riley, went out to coach the Knickerbockers to an NBA Finals appearance, albeit a loss to San Antonio in 1999. So three guys on New York roots. And the Knicks are killing Cleveland, right? They win game three by 20. That was Friday. Now it's game four. They're up 15. And the lead just evaporates. This guard for the Cavaliers, Darius Garland, comes out in the third quarter, and they can't stop him. They can't stop him. And now that Nick 15-point lead is now a three-point deficit. Game is tied. R.J. Barrett scores five consecutive points. And then Brunson and Josh Hart take over. And the Knicks go on to win this one by double by nine, I think. And now they're up three games to one. And I text Mike Breen literally 15 minutes after the game is over. He gets right back to me. I mean, you got to understand, the garden was packed, 18,000 people, people clutching at you in every direction, Pete Davidson starting fights in the stands. And my guy, Brini, gets back to me in two seconds, literally, talking about the electricity and the energy at Madison Square Garden. I was not there this weekend at all, was not there Saturday night for that really tough Ranger overtime loss to the Devils or Sunday afternoon because I celebrated my birthday this weekend. So I missed the Rangers loss, and the Knicks win. But, man, the Garden right now is the place to be. New York City, when those winter sports are hopping, taking us back to 1994 when both the Knicks and the Rangers made the finals. The Knicks lost to Houston, and the Rangers beat Vancouver to win the Stanley Cup. There's nothing like it, folks, nothing. There's nothing like it. So it was uh, an exciting weekend at the Garden. Rangers, they'll play game four tonight, and the Rangers... As crazy as it sounds, if they're going to Newark and blowing out the Devils in two games, outscoring New Jersey 10-2 to in those two wins, almost in a must-win. Because if the Rangers lose tonight, now the series is reduced to a best of three, and New Jersey once again takes over home ice advantage. So the Rangers 
actually need this game tonight. Now, if they get it, they go up three games to one. It's about over, right? At that point, Devils have to win three straight. Same thing with the Knicks. Went out this weekend, came home from Cleveland, one game apiece, and won both games on their home court Friday and Sunday at the Garden. And now Cleveland would have to win the final three games of this series. It ain't going to happen to uh, knock out the Knicks. So it looks like the Knicks are going to move on. And I guess they take on the winner of the Heat and Bucks. That series right now has Miami leading Milwaukee two games to one. They'll play game four down in Miami tonight. Giannis, the Greek freak, the superstar from Milwaukee, is still hurt. But it's been a very exciting postseason basketball, hockey here in New York. Very exciting, despite what former Nick head coach Phil Jackson said this weekend. Look, I sat here with Bernard, God rest his soul. And we talked basketball a couple of years ago when they had the basketball in the bubble in Orlando during COVID. And it was really nauseating. I mean, the court filled with all these slogans, Black Lives Matter. No one dislikes Black Lives Matter more than me. First of all, it's insulting. Of course, Black Lives Matter. It's insulting. You know how Morgan Freeman got insulted last week with Black History Month? Black Lives Matter is insulting. Of course, Black Lives Matter. But to have an organization stealing money in every direction and buying $7 million mansions out in California as if they care, that's even more insulting. So don't tell me about BLM. It's garbage. Absolute garbage. And that whole postseason bubble in Orlando a couple of years ago, BLM on the court, all these slogans. You remember, Justin. It was just impossible to watch. Now, Bernard... Always a Nick fan, very, very close with Breen, but never really a sports fan. He liked the UFC, and that was it. So he just looked for any excuse not to watch sports. It wasn't like he was a, an avid sports watcher, and, oh, my God, BLM pissed him off. He didn't care anyway. But he would go on these rants. Oh, I'm not watching anymore. You never watched before. I'm a big sports guy. I didn't stop watching. I was annoyed. I was nauseous. I couldn't stand it, but I never stopped. But according to former New York Nick great Phil Jackson, who was on the 1973 team that won the championship, and, of course, he went on to coach Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen in Chicago, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant in Los Angeles, and eventually came back to New York, where he was the president of this basketball team, and it was horrendous, just horrendous. He claims, and he's a liberal, I believe. I think he's a liberal. He claims that after the summer in the bubble a couple of years ago, he stopped watching the NBA and hasn't come back. Here he is, the great Phil Jackson. Do you uh, still watch a lot of basketball? or No, I don't. Tell me about that. When and did you stop immediately from the time you stopped coaching? No, I didn't. I watched some of the game evolve and decided and they went into the lockout year, and they did something that was kind of wanky. They did a bubble down in Orlando, mm-hmm. and all the teams that could qualify mm-hmm. went down there and mm-hmm. stayed down there. Mm-hmm. No audience. And they had things on their back like, you know, justice. And uh, yeah, I made a little funny thing like, uh, you know, justice just went to the basket, and uh, equal opportunity just knocked him down. And uh, somebody, uh, I have another name for a guy who has jersey in the back of a jersey, he had some other slogan. So my grandkids thought that was pretty funny to, to, to play up those names. So I, I, I couldn't watch that. And the Lakers won, actually. They, they won that year. 
And uh, do you feel but, like it just made little of the game, like it made it like a sideshow? What do you think it was that turned you off? Well, it was it was. Uh, they even had slogans on the floor, on the baseline. Uh, it was catering. It was trying to cater to an audience or trying to bring a certain audience into play. And it, they didn't know it was turning other people off. It turned us off in a big way, Phil Jackson. And, yes, the Lakers did win it that year. LeBron James and Davis won the championship. Lakers, by the way, playing good basketball this postseason. They lead their series against the Memphis Grizzlies two games to one, and they'll play game four of that Western Conference series later on tonight. The only team that's moved on already is the Philadelphia 76ers in the East. They swept the Brooklyn Nets four consecutive games. They moved on, and teams now on the verge of moving on include in the East the Boston Celtics. They're up 3-1 against Atlanta. The New York Knicks, they're up 3-1 against Cleveland. Out West, Denver, they're up 3-1 against Minnesota. The T-Wolves won in overtime last night. Phoenix, they're up 3-1 on the Clippers, and what a game yesterday between Sacramento and Golden State. The Warriors beat them 126-125, to 125, and they've evened up that series at two games apiece. So, a lot of sports for me this weekend. I mean, I watched the political shows and some of those on Sunday mornings, made myself nauseous like I do most weeks, and watched all these idiots running for office. But a lot of sports and a lot of eating out, again, celebrating my 56th birthday for real this weekend. So Friday night, me, Danielle, and Gabe made our way to our favorite restaurant in the world. And we love Il Cortile. Tommy, if you're listening, we love you in Sal. That's a great Italian restaurant in Little Italy, Mulberry Street. But in terms of steak, I don't want to hear it. It's Luger, and that's it. And that is it. I get people tell me, no, it's not that good. My, my friend Tommy tells me, Rocco on Park Avenue, they got great steak and I don't even want to get into the conversation. It's Luger, and that's it. We've been going there for 100 years. So we went on Friday, me, Danielle, and Gabe, and I found something out. My buddy Tommy, and if you've gone to Luger for a long time, you know who Tommy is. He's the manager there for 28 years. 28 years. And it turns out this is Tommy's last week at Luger. He's going to work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, his last day. My buddy Bud is gone. Tommy's going to be gone. Thank God for Ronnie. But we did the Aluga dinner on Friday. That was great. And then Saturday, Danielle took me out alone, a little romantic birthday dinner. We went to a place I'd never gone to before, and it's called Veronica with a K. It's on 22nd and Park. And that was a great restaurant, too. They Actually, uh, the restaurant is on the second floor, and on the fifth floor of that building, they've got an exhibit for hip-hop. So in the restaurant, too, they had all these paintings up of, I mean, Cardi B, somebody named Little Yachty. Who in God's yeah. name is a Little Yachty with a with a horrible grill and a whole face of braces? Who is that? He's huge. Is he really huge? Yeah, he's just like a huge rap star. It's got to be because there's, there's like a, a huge painting inside the restaurant. I never heard of the guy. Yeah. Little Yachty. Yeah, Little Yachty. How about that for a name? You know who that is, uh, Kenneth? Yes, you don't no, know. You, uh, you don't know. Took the walk to Poland. You don't know that song, Sid. I said that again. I don't, I don't even. Know I that took song. the walk to Poland. It's, <laughs> is that his most famous song? Really, a stupid song. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah all of his songs are stupid. stupid. They're yeah. they're all they're all pretty stupid. Yeah. Well, we were going to make our way to the fifth floor, and uh, check out the hip hop exhibit because they're going to build this big hip hop museum. I think here next year we're celebrating fifty years of hip hop right now. But for me, once you get past the beginning guys, Sugar Hill Gang. 
Run DMC, all those guys. The, 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 today, the people are garbage. They're just, I mean, they're, just, they're horrible people. The music sucks. I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. I and agree. I, I know so much Janaya Butler's mad at me, and maybe Eric Adams, too. I just don't care. I don't care either. I hate no. it, too. Garbage. I don't, I don't like hip-hop. Yeah. Terrible. I don't know. That halftime show at the Super Bowl two years ago with uh, Snoop Dogg, after he had just written a brand-new song, brand-new song about killing cops, Snoop Dogg. That lowlife making millions and millions and millions of dollars hanging out with Martha Stewart. Him and Dr. Dre and this uh, lowlife white trash Eminem. Oh, God. No thanks. So I never made it to the uh, fifth floor, but the restaurant Veronica is terrific. So we had a great weekend. Saw a couple of good movies. One you have to see, it's on, um, I think it's on Netflix. It may be Amazon Prime. It's a movie uh, called A Good Person. And it stars Morgan Freeman, who I mentioned earlier. Yeah, I saw the trailer for that. Zach Brandt, I think, wrote it. It is a great movie. Like Sometimes we'll just go to Netflix or Amazon Prime or one of these channels looking for a movie, and you get it, and it's, like, amazing. You're like, how does nobody know about this? A good person is one of those. And then yesterday on Netflix, we went to the movie titled The Devil You Know with Omar Epps. And that was fantastic. Wow, two for two. Two for two. How about that? It was a three-for-three three weekend because Friday after Luger, I came home and uh, watched some TV, and I caught my man Bo Deedle on Blue Bloods. Did you see that? No, the episode? Oh, my I God. He kicked ass. No. He was great. He wasn't good. He was great, Bo Deedle. So, anyway, big weekend. Uh, nice job by my wife, Danielle, who I love desperately. Uh, put together a nice first, uh, birthday weekend. My son, Gabriel, and we received news this weekend, some surprising news. We had just gone to see Ava a couple of weeks ago in Cardiff in Wales, then spent a couple of days in London before she went to Spain and we came home, and she was scheduled to come back to the States in early June. Well, that has been amended, and Ava is now coming home for five months until September. That's when she goes back for year two of her three-year studies in Europe. She's coming home Saturday. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So we live in this little apartment in Battery Park while they're fixing my house. We were under the impression Ava would come back when we're home. Big, beautiful house, Bell Harbor on the beach, the whole thing. No, she's coming back this Saturday. Did you say why? She's homesick. She's finished her classes. She was going to stay for a couple of weeks and hang out with her friends and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but but come home. You're right. She's making it's a good call. But now we've got four people going to be living in a little apartment in Battery Park. Yeah, that's rough. And she's got to sleep on the pull-out couch in the living room. That's how I leave every morning at about 4 o'clock in the morning. Hang on like that. It's going to be brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Did they say when your when your house is going to be good to go yet? Uh, it looks like Memorial Day weekend. Oh, all right. So, so we're close, right. but it's still going to be about a month with Ava. She gets nuts. And then she's going to yell at me for uh, waking her up, and then she's going to wake Danielle up. And oh, the next thing you know, it's going to be it's a whole thing. World War Three at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, every morning. Ay, ay, ay. And poor Gabe is going to try to get some sleep. He's going to be miserable. Yeah. <laughs> Nightmare, no? No, it's like everybody's against you. Yeah, And then it's all your fault. It's all my fault. Right. I'm the poor bastard getting up at 3.30 in the morning, going to work and making a uh, good living here. <laughs> and I'm going to be the bad guy, trust me. So, anyway, big, big show coming your way today. Lots of really good guests. We start at 6.40. Very disturbing story about a little autistic Jewish boy in Vegas. They beat him up. We'll talk to Dove Hyken at 6.40. 7.05, making his regular Monday appearance. 
the great Curtis Sliwa, coming up at 7.40, making his regular Monday appearance, which Lowry, 8.05, Joseph Takapina, that Donald Trump alleged rape case starts this week in New York City. We'll talk to Takapina about that. 8.40, Charlie Gasparino, maybe Carol Markowitz at 9.25, and Gnomes Nuggets at 8.25. As always, the number, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Monday morning with your buddy Sid Rosenberg right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Most voters still don't want Joe Biden to run in 2024, but it looks like he's going to announce he is going to run maybe as early as tomorrow, right? Isn't that what we were told on Friday? He'll do some video like, LeBron James, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. Joe Biden, I'm taking my talents back to Pennsylvania Avenue. That may be coming up tomorrow. (laughs) Donald Trump. But what Trump did to Biden this weekend, not even fair. Trump was uh, all over the place. He was on with the average one, the weasel himself, Mark Levin. Boy, I'm sick of him, too. God, I actually put something on Truth Social 
yesterday. I don't do Truth Social all that often. A bunch of psychos like Dan Bongino all day long. and But I put something on there. And I said, Trump's got to stop doing the same shows over and over again. I mean, God, Sean Hannity, I got it. Okay, great. You mean Levin? No, Hannity and Levin. Both. Right, but you said Trump. No, I said have... Trump's got to stop doing the same shows. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, pay oh, attention. oh I, see, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Trump's got to stop doing the same shows over and over again. Sean Hannity is not going to get Donald Trump one suburban housewife, not one. I am. Because I have people listening to this show who are also Democrats, moms. They like the music. They like when I talk about my kids. You don't get that with Hannity. You don't get that with Mark Levin, Life, Liberty, Diamond. Calm down, my God. Those shows do nothing for him. Nothing. And I put that on Truth Social yesterday. He was on with Levin yesterday. Last night, and then he sent some video. He didn't go to Iowa, Trump. He sent some video to the Faith and Freedom Coalition. <laughs> the video, he just beat the living daylights out of Biden. It was great. I think at one point he said, if you uh, consider the five worst presidents ever, it's not as bad as Biden. In fact, let's do that. This would be uh, Donald Trump on video at the Iowa Faith and Freedom Coalition Forum This, uh, Justin Ellick, is Donald Trump, cut number seven. Every promise I made to you as a candidate, I've fulfilled as your president. And I will continue to fight for our values, our faith, and our freedom when we become the very important 47th president of the United States. We have to do it or we're not going to have a country left. There has never been a time like this for our country. I say that if you take the first Five presidents that are the absolute worst, and you add them all together, they haven't done the harm that Joe Biden and his administration have done to our country. It's so sad. I love that cut. He's also talking uh, here about transitioning and keeping men out of women's sports, which I can't believe is an arguable topic. I can't believe it, but it is. So here's Donald Trump making a whole bunch of sense in cut number six. As president, I will sign a new executive order instructing every federal agency to cease the promotion of sex and gender transition at any age. I will then ask Congress to send me a bill prohibiting child sexual mutilation in all 50 states. And I will keep men out of women's sports. That's a simple one. Keep men out of women's sports. And then uh, finally, we'll go back to Trump again later. But last night on Levin's show, Life Liberty and Levine on Fox News Sunday nights. Trump talked an awful lot about Bill Clinton. Yes. Good old Billy. Talked about the disservice the country did in 2016. Talked about his personal relationship with the former president, Bill Clinton. This is Trump on Levin on Clinton, courtesy of Fox News. Justin, cut number eight. I mean, I think they did a great disservice by not using him when I went with you know, it went against Hillary. I think that uh, they had this unbelievable weapon known as Bill Clinton, who was a natural politician. And I know for a fact he called in. He said, you know, I'm in Michigan and we got Trump signs all over the place. And you got enthusiasm. You better send somebody out. He says, no, we're not going to have a problem with Michigan. And he called in about Wisconsin. He said, you know, I'm here and we're making trips to a convention center. Every house has a Trump sign on it. You're going to have to get some people out here, Wisconsin. They said, no, 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 the polls indicate that he can't win Wisconsin. And they ended up winning Michigan and Wisconsin. And he said to them, you have to come out here. 
She never made a trip to Wisconsin because it was automatic Democrat territory. And, you know, by now, it, maybe it's a well-known story, but he very much, and they, he very much wanted them to go to Michigan again, and they wanted to go, they, they never went to Wisconsin. And they said, you're going to lose this state. He said it, you're going to lose this state. He had an instinct. He had a natural instinct, like people do. People that are good at things have a lot of instinct. And it was very interesting, and they never went. And I won Wisconsin, I won Michigan, but he knew that. And I had heard what's going on, and he wanted them to go so badly. And I was hoping they wouldn't go, because I thought we were going to win those places. Uh, but he was a, uh, a weapon that they decided not to use. They actually did the opposite. They shut him out. They shut him out. And I think that was a mistake. How about that? Donald Trump, ringing endorsement of one Bill Clinton. By the way, the Wall Street poll that came out this morning has Donald Trump receiving 48% in the latest poll. Ron DeSantis, 24%. I mean, Donald Trump is lined up so well right now. And I know Ron DeSantis has not announced his official run yet. That's coming. But it looks almost impossible for anyone, including Ron DeSantis, to beat Donald Trump right now. Anyway, the second cut, Trump on Bill Clinton, he talks about how they played golf, went to the wedding. Trump and Clinton, good old buddies. Donald Trump, Justin, cut number nine. You had a pretty good back-and-forth letters and relationship with Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, and you always got along with Bill Clinton. Uh, you got along early on with Hillary Clinton, but then you know how that turned out, 2016 and so forth. They came to my wedding. They came to your wedding. Well, what do you make of that? That's politics to you? Politics too. It's all politics. Uh, I never forgot. And he loved, I own a course in Westchester, and he loved that course. He was there a lot. He just loved it. He loved Splanko. And he was Is he any good? Uh, better than people think. You know, they say no, but he's, he's got a certain athleticism, actually. Mm. Better than people think. And uh, we used to play, but I'll never forget, this is before I even thought in terms of politics for myself, but we had played around, and uh, we were sitting in the clubhouse, and he was telling me stories about politics and telling me his views on this and this. I said, you know, two and a half hours have gone by, and he's, he just <laughs> loved it. Talk about enthusiasm. Talking about that Westchester golf course, one of my prized possessions, I used to collect memorabilia, but what I would do is I would have the athlete or the entertainer or the star sign something so that piece of memorabilia was personalized to me. So, for example, I've got a Lawrence Taylor, 99 North Carolina jersey before he went to the Giants, and inside the frame with the jersey is a picture of me and Lawrence Taylor, which he signed. So one of my prized possessions is a piece where I've got Bill Clinton, me, and Yogi Berra. And it was at Joe Torrey's Safe at Home Foundation Classic, which he puts on every year. It's a great charity. And it was at that Trump Westchester golf course that Donald was talking about right there that Bill Clinton used to love to play. And at the time, I was doing the midday show with Joe Beningo with the fan, and Barrett was on our right and Bill Clinton on our left. It was about a 20-minute interview, and those guys, especially Clinton, were amazing. Not good, amazing. And it was at that specific Trump-Westchester golf course that Donald alluded to in that conversation. 
All right, we've got a lot of guests stopping by. Dove Heikind coming up at 645, an unfortunate attack on an autistic Jewish kid in Las Vegas. Curtis Lee, 705, Rich Lowry, 740, Joseph Takapina, 805, Charlie Gasparino, 840, and maybe Carol Markowitz at 925. Traffic with Joe Nolan also coming up next. But right now it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable with my man, John Katz-Matidis. That's where common sense prevails. Always telling both sides of the story every Sunday morning starting at 8. And listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Here, John talks with Andrew Ashborough, the FDNY president. A lot of new problems with these new electric uh, vehicles and electric uh, bicycles. Uh, Tell us, Andrew, what's going on? Well, first of all, these vehicles, uh, as we know, the electric bikes, they're causing a, a lot of fires. Uh, the number of fires coming from electric bicycles is doubling every year. The lithium-ion batteries, what it happens is it makes the vehicle much heavier. When you're looking at the garage collapse that happened this week, you know, maybe it's time to ask uh, all the inspections that were previously done for these garages. Do they need to change their formulas on weight load uh, based on the fact that some of these cars are going to be heavier? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Here it is, FBNY President Andrew Ashborough with John Katz and Matides. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers on the hardwood. The Knicks, they took care of business at home with a 102-93 Game 4 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers to take a commanding 3-1 series lead. Wednesday night, the series moves back to Cleveland where the Knicks will have a chance to put the Cavs away and move on to the next round on the ice. The Islanders were unable to build on their big Game 3 victory over the Carolina Hurricanes, losing Game 4 at home yesterday by a score of 5-2. The loss pushes the Owls to the brink of elimination come tomorrow night's Game 5 with quite the hole to dig themselves out of. Currently down three games to one. Tonight, Devils and Rangers Game 4 at the Garden, 7 p.m. Puck drop with the Rangers currently leading the series two games to one. The implications you just heard there via Sidney Rosenberg. And now to the Diamond where both the Mets and Yankees took losses in their respective series finales yesterday. The Mets lost 5-4 to four, uh, in San Francisco against the Giants to yield the series split while the Yanks fell 5-1 to one to the Toronto Blue Jays and the Bronx to officially suffer their first series loss of the year. The Bombers now jet off to Minnesota where they'll meet the Twins tonight at 7.40 p.m. to get a three-game set underway. Johnny Brito will get the ball going up against Minnesota's Sonny Gray. As for the Mets, they'll enjoy an off day today before welcoming in the Washington Nationals tomorrow night for the first of three. Here is sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
The Cure, pictures of you at 646 on your sunny Monday morning here in New York City. Got six great guests stopping by today. We <laughs> saw the picture in the post on uh, yesterday of Wiener and uh, Uma. <laughs> Rita Cosby's. Yeah. Is that her husband? Uh, please, don't. I, nobody, yeah. nobody really knows. Yeah. Odd picture. The whole thing is The odd. whole thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the whole thing is odd. No. <laughs> I guess I didn't miss much. Anyway, folks, I saw this in the post yesterday, and it reads, Autistic Jewish teen is attacked, has swastika carved on his back at a Las Vegas high school. You know what's sad about that is it didn't shock me when I saw this. Danielle actually sent it to me. didn't shock me. It should shock me, right? I mean, autistic Little boy happens to be April this month is Autistic Awareness Month. Little Jewish kid with autism attacked and they carve a swastika on his back, and I'm not even shocked. That is a sad commentary on where we are in America today. And we spent a lot of time talking about the hate crimes on Jews here in New York, obviously. But it's everywhere. As my next guest, who spent the better part of four decades as one of the greatest assemblymen in the history of Brooklyn, Mr. Borough Park himself, and now I believe he's the king of all Jews, my dear friend Dove Hyken. Good Monday morning, Dove. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Uh, great to be with you. Uh, you know, this, uh, this story is just uh, they keep on coming. They keep on being incredibly shocking. Nothing seems to change. I mean, there's so many issues here. This happened almost two months ago, about six, seven weeks ago. And, you know, I, I took a look at how, the kind of attention uh, uh, that this incident uh, attracted. Now, we, you know, you and I would say it should be everywhere. CNN, MSNBC, everywhere, everyone should be talking about this. Carving a swastika on a kid in a high school. And I want to point out that this kid was the only kid who was wearing a yarmulke. In other words, identifiably Jewish. The hoodlums in that school who, you know, Noah's been arrested. Oh, it's tough to, to find uh, the hoodlums that did this to this kid, uh, traumatizing him for the rest of his life, his family, and so on and so forth. Uh, it's, it's just remarkable how little attention this has yeah. attracted. Uh, I, you know, again, I can only imagine, I hate using these comparisons, but they're so legitimate. I mean, if someone had carved KKK on the back of a black child. Oh, please. I mean, yeah. I mean, can we only imagine the kind of yeah. reaction? Right. Or, or, okay. the, or, the, or the F word on the back of a homosexual. I mean, it just, yeah, there's no question. Anything like that. Exactly. Right. Exactly. They, they don't care about the Jews. You know, I tell you, I work out at a gym on 34th between Lexington and Park. So I take the, the uh, 6th train on 33rd and Park to get to the Express on 14th Street to get home to Battery Park. And I'm, I'm there the other day. I'm, I'm just out of the gym. I'm all pumped up. I'm in pretty good shape. And there's a homeless guy, a white guy, mind you, not even a black guy, a white guy. And he's laying on the benches there, and he's clearly hammered. I mean, he's drunk. He's a mess. And he's yelling and screaming in and out of consciousness, I will beat your face, you ugly Jew. I swear to God. So I got a guy standing next to me, and... It took all of what I had not to kind of wake the guy up, push him, and say, hey, I'm Jewish. Say that to my face. 
Because you know what? I'm not walking around with tzitzis and a yarmulke. I will punch you across your half-drunk, low-life, homeless face. But my fear is, Dove, that uh, people like me and you, who spent a lot of time fighting in the streets for Jews, those Jewish people don't really exist. They, they kind of let yeah. these things happen. Sid, Sid, you're so correct. I, I mean, look what's going on. we got all these Jewish organizations. We have so many Jewish leaders by title of these Jewish organizations. There's more Jewish organizations than any other group in America, in the world. And, you know, it's like the, you know, when a Jewish organization gets created, it, it goes on forever, even if there's no purpose anymore. And with all of the, you know, we just had Day of Remembrance, so the Holocaust, never again. And honestly, it's all BS. It really is, because we see what's going on out there. We're not being tough. We're not being strong. We're not being proud. We're not being unapologetic, nothing to apologize for. You know, when the bad guys want to come to our neighborhood, we should be there together, whether it's the Sid Rosenbergs and the Hikens, but there are a lot of young Jews out there. You know, you know, we have thousands of former IDF soldiers who live in New York. And, it, you know, if someone would just think a little bit out of the box, Sid, a little bit out of the box and say, what can we do a little different? You know, the message now to Jew haters is that Jews run. Jews are afraid. Jews don't stand up. And, and you know, they're right if you watch the things that have gone on. So it, it's crazy. I, I got to tell you, Sid, let me tell you what adds insult to insult. This is the statement I just want to share because it just shows you how sick things are. The statement from the FBI, finally, you know, there's something about the FBI, like where the hell are the local police there? What's going on after six, seven weeks? Now, maybe the FBI will get involved. This is their statement that they released that was in the New York Post and other places. This is what they say. We are aware of incident and are in regular contact with authorities. Wonderful. Six weeks later, if during the local investigation information comes to light of a potential federal uh, civil rights violation, you got to hear this. <laughs> oh, come the FBI on. FBI is prepared to oh, investigate. What are they waiting yeah, for? They're, yeah. they're not investigating. They're not looking into <laughs> no, this. I mean, they, they don't need an excuse. You know, you know, when things happen in other communities and people call on the FBI to get involved as a civil rights violation, they jump in within hours, hours. Now, well, we're, we're talking to the authorities there if and when. Right, then please. we're first going, yep. is this sick? Come on. No. I mean, we, we want things to be taken seriously. It's outrageous. It is sickening. And, and part of the problem is the lack, and I hate to say this, the lack of Jewish leadership. Being a leader is not having a freaking title. It's leading. It's coming up with an approach that may be a little different to deal with the problem. Jews are being hammered. You know, we talk about Vegas. But things happened this weekend in Crown Heights, in Flatbush yesterday. Jews, you know, it's like you see someone who's identifiably Jewish, and and, and then you just go after them. You effing Jew. Hitler should have finished the job, uh, you know, and on and on and on. I mean, it is uh, open season on the Jewish people, and I am truly concerned 
as to where this is going. No, me too. I'm really concerned. As you should be. And I believe uh, when Jim Jordan was in town a couple Tuesdays ago, and my my dear friend Jennifer Harrison, whose boyfriend was murdered, she spoke uh, that day. It was, you know, they held this this, uh, little hearing in downtown Manhattan. Harrison spoke. Madeline Brame, her son, was murdered. Uh, She spoke. Jose Alba, the bodega owner, he spoke. And uh, Mayor Eric Adams, of course, I thought handled it very inappropriately. And instead of, you know, sympathizing with New Yorkers, his people that have gone through tragedy, he made it completely political, made it about Donald Trump, which was stupid and really uh, not very nice out of Eric. But wasn't uh, was Joey Borgen there, too? Yeah, uh, Joey Borgen's father testified as well. He was one of the people. Now, Joey Borgen uh, is another uh, example of a Jewish man who was beaten up, if I'm correct, though, just because he's Jewish. Yeah, beaten up. I mean, I urge anyone who wants to see hate in the face of young people to watch the video of Joey Borgen in Manhattan on his way to something, an event in Manhattan, get attacked, assaulted by a group of Muslims, beating the hell out of him. He ends up in the hospital with a concussion and so on and so forth. I mean, those individuals uh, are on trial in Manhattan. We'll see what happens with the wonderful uh, DA in uh, Manhattan. Who cares more? Who has more Rahmanis, more pity for criminals than for innocent people, except when it comes to Trump, of course. Okay, everybody else gets a free pass, except if your name is Donald J. Trump. It is hard to believe. Well, listen, I wanted to get you on this morning because when I see stories like this, you're the voice I want to hear next because you truly do care. You've dedicated, devoted your whole life to this beyond being a a big-time assemblyman and politician in Brooklyn Dove. And I love when you come on and remind the Jewish people that, look, at the end of the day, the only people that are really going to fight for the Jews need to be the Jews. Uh, Look, absolutely. We need to take the lead. You can't sit back and say, you know, we'll we'll let the authorities take care of things. We'll put our faith in the politicians. I mean, the politicians are always playing politics. I mean, what's new about that? When you find a political figure that doesn't look at political labels, but truly tries to do what they feel is right, uh, you know, that's the exceptional person. That's the elected official who is not really a politician, okay? But that's not the reality in the world that we live in. We need to take the lead. We need to, uh, you know, and and I will be doing this for the next year or so. I mean, the approach is, is failure, failure, failure. The approach that you and I spoke about a few moments ago, Jews being trained, Jews being strong, Jews defending themselves. The recent event of the Day of Hate, they were, they were going to come to our synagogues. People didn't go to synagogue on Saturday because they were afraid. Jeez. And I wish to God we would have organized. I would have been there. You know, I'm not exactly a youngster. I'm not 18 <laughs> or 20. But I would be out there, and, and I know you, and I've watched you, and, I, and you know, I, I see in your face the passion and the love of the Jewish people and the love of people. We need to be out there and not to be afraid to stand up to these bullies. They are bullies. That's all they are. Well said. Listen, Dove, it's great to talk to you, buddy. Thank you so much for hopping on early on a Monday morning. I love you. Keep talking out there. Keep fighting out there. And one of these days we'll fix it, hopefully. Thank you, Dove Hyken. Thank you so much. 
Love you, Sid. Love you, too. Talking about uh, Jews, one died yesterday at the age of 78. Very famous Jew. Very, very famous. In fact, I would say the most famous of all the judges on Dancing with the Stars, Len Goodman passed away. Oh, wow. Yeah. Bernie did a very good Len Goodman. So does uh, Lou Rufino. Well, Lou Rufino does a good everyone. Yes, he does. Dancing with the Stars, Judge Len Goodman died yesterday at the age of 78. One hour in the books, a lot more to do. Next hour, Curtis Sliwa, Bill O'Reilly's morning message on which Lowry, 8 o'clock hour, Joseph Takapina, Gnomes Nuggets, Charlie Gasparino, 9 o'clock hour, Carol Markowitz and Sid's take. Going to be a very exciting three hours. Monday mornings with me, Sid Rosenberg, right here with The Cure on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Let's go. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Well, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off even by lighting up. Oi! To my friends, the star of the show. Oi! Oi! I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oy! This Oy! is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help. That uh, female voice you hear on that open is Kelly Ripper. He says, you know, I was on this uh, famous WABC radio host, Sid Rosenberg, show, and Kelly's been taking a beating, her and her husband, Mark Consuelos, who replaced Ryan Seacrest last week. One weekend, they're getting murdered on the Internet more than me, and that's a lot, trust me. I've got a new Sid website I'll tell you about tomorrow. So that was the voice you heard there, and uh, a, a very, very loyal listener, by the name of Amy Epstein, really nice lady. She checked in with me on Saturday, and she was at the Embassy Diner. She said, lunch in a great diner, totally patriotic, great food, yacht rock on out in Bethpage. The owner is a guy named Gus, and he loves me. So a shout-out to Gus and the Embassy Diner in Bethpage. That was Last Dance by Donna Summer, and uh, something tells me that late on Saturday night, when they were wrapping up that um, Inner Circle Freak Fest, 
Now, that song was playing, and the last two people on the dance floor were you, Curtis, and Huma Aberdeen. Is that true? <laughs> no. Although I was sitting right next to uh, Anthony Weiner and his former wife, Huma. Yeah. Uh, naturally, all eyeballs were on them. Although, if you go to the WABC website, you see the actual uh, parody, the musical that was done with me in my red beret, red sateen jacket, with all these female reporters dressed as cats outside of uh, Eric Adams' uh, building oh on Lafayette God. Avenue in Bed-Stuy. Oh it was great. God. It was great. No, no, I had a wonderful time. Wonderful I got a, time. Uh, a text and a picture as I had dinner with Daniela Veronica on Saturday from a dear friend of mine who you just make fun of and kill all the time, but you were smiling in a picture with him, and that's my good buddy Anthony Caron. Oh, Saturday yeah. night it was you, Caron, I think Craig Eaton, was even in the picture, Anthony, but Anthony was there he's saying, a great guy, Anthony yeah, 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 but he said, you know, Sid hasn't jumped in the hot tub with me in a long time. <laughs> Curtis, you think you want to jump in the hot tub with me? The guy <laughs> sounded like he was lonely for a last nah, dance he in could. paradise. He good, he good. He misses me because he's uh, five blocks away from me in Bell Harbor. I think he's in the Ponset, actually. But uh, I'll be home soon. But he was all too happy to take a picture with you, and you were smiling, looked very, very happy. So are you going to call off the dogs no. on Frank and Anthony no, Corona? No, they're all crooks. They're all crooks. You're they belong funny. in jail. You're funny. You know how many guys I grew up with? I say, you know, you're going to jail. And speaking of your conversation with Dove Hyken, right, about Jews being attacked, I would always tell the Supreme Cougines, you keep picking on, you know, Ira. You keep picking on Shlomo. And one day they're going to be on the parole board. When you're coming up for parole, and they're going to have memories of what you did to them, taking their yarmulke, throwing it around like a Frisbee, knocking them down, you know, calling them all kinds of nasty names. And they look at me, oh, I say, you know, crazy Sal, crazy Vinny, crazy Joey, you're destined to go before the parole board at some time. <laughs> that's funny. So I'm looking at you. Uh, that's very funny, Curtis, as you're telling this story. And I can't help but laugh because you can't see this, obviously. This is on radio. But uh, Curtis, in uh, Leon Spinks fashion, has his middle tooth is actually missing. And I've been complaining for weeks about my teeth. They're finally fixed. Thank God the cap is good. The pulled tooth is good. The last two weeks, I've had no pain at all. But a couple of weeks ago when I was complaining, you kept saying to me, listen, Sid, nobody knows more about pain in their teeth yep. than me. Yep. And here you are this morning, literally looking like Leon Spinks. Now, after I appeared with you 7.05 in the morning on Friday, as I do Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I do the rip and read from 12 to 1. Justin was on the boards. He's looking straight at me, and all of a sudden, I'm halfway through a riff about R.F. Kennedy Jr., you know, jumping into the race, and my tooth flies right across the room and crashes into this bulletproof glass. And Justin Ellick had a look on his face like, oh, my God, and the pain. You know what happens every time you inhale, exhale, it hits that exposed nerve as it is now. Right. Ooh, and, I mean, ooh, it, is, it is killing me. You know something? I just kept moving on. And. I want to tell you, Saturday morning, I had to make up for Gnome Laden coming in here with the top ten disco choices of all time. Top ten. Number five, Miss Rolling You Stones. by Rolling Stone. Yes. I got so much grief. They said, what the hell is that? I did two hours of straight disco spinning my stacks of wax. 
Things you didn't hear, like Evelyn Champagne King. I played it. I played Shame Evelyn you Champagne get, King. You yes. did, but it wasn't on the list. Oh. The Hustle by Van McCoy. How I could you that. forget the I Hustle? I love the Hustle. Uh, the Whispers. It's a love thing. <laughs> the Tavares. I had three of them. It only takes a minute. More than a woman. Heaven must be missing an angel. Oh. All these so songs. good. And he puts in there the Rolling Stones no, no, miss he, you. No, no, no. Gnome didn't put it. It was a Rolling Stone oh, magazine. Oh, I don't believe that. I don't believe oh. that. No schmuck, no putz, no piss yet, no schmendrick would put in Miss You by the Rolling Stones on the ten greatest hits of all time in disco. So you're saying you think that Gnome Layton actually wrote that story? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Put a shiv into you and to me because they know how we love disco. Oh, my God. Uh, hopefully Lou uh, convalesces. But it was nice not having him here on Friday. I can hear disco classics <laughs> all morning long because you promised the audience Friday mornings, disco. You got to hold him. I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it. That's it. People loved it. I I got text messages straight through Monday morning. They loved it, Curtis. I tell you what. You tell Lou. If he doesn't play disco all morning long on Fridays, I will hang him out the window here by his ankles. And, you know, I might sort of loosen my grip. Yeah, you may. Tell me about this uh, Brooklyn Council race. Saturday's New York Daily News had uh, this lady, Anna, on the cover. I've heard a lot about Anna because of Inna Vernikoff. Dove Hyken was just on, and Dove and Inna, of course, are very, very close. I'm close with both of them. Uh, my guy Mike is out of the race. So now Anna it looked like she may be somebody who can contend with Ari Kagan, but there's all kinds of issues in this race now. Uh, huh? Let me tell you, looking at George Santos, too, female side. <laughs> you know, what, your resume. I'm a teacher. They said, where, where are you a teacher? Uh, I was a teacher. What miss you guys? Look, from now on, Sid, before you bring somebody on the 50,000 powerful watts of sound, the most, uh, the uh, number one important radio station in America, would you clear it through me? I may do that. I could have told Maybe. you. This guy was a jadrul. This guy was a, a gavon. And you have him in here with all his tats up and down. Oh, he's a friend of mine. Guy didn't have a chance. Oh, he had a chance. He's still a friend of mine. I mean, things happen. It's politics. He's no, no. hugging us all the no, time. No, who's down in the trenches? Come on, Sid. From you're, now on, you're down in the trenches. I will be your political consigliere. Now, did you know what's happening today here? Very special event. Wait, what do you mean here? Because you were too busy celebrating your birthday over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. John Katsimatidis said, Curtis, I want you and Roger Stone in the ring for two hours. Greg Kelly will be gone today. And I'm a DeSantis guy, and Stone, as you know, is the ultimate uber-trumper. Right. So from one to three, we're going to be going back and forth. Oh, so no Greg Kelly today. Instead, it's Sliwa versus Stone? Sliwa versus Stone. You like that? Sliwa like versus that. Stone. I do like that. I mean, here's a guy, right? He, At least they're both talking about Republicans. He used to do this stuff on Sundays with Chris Hahn. And it was Republicans versus Democrats. And I like Chris a lot, but I couldn't stand it. At least you're both touting a Republican. Chris who? What, what was his name? Is it Han or something? Well, remember, we're supposed to forget whoever used to be here. Oh, I mean, yeah. In I radio, know. you I never know. remember who I used know. to be here. You, you couldn't imagine <laughs> on my Facebook page, Curtis, how much grief I get from people that are like, well, what happened to Lydia? And what happened to this one? I'm like, hey, let me ask you a question. Do I know who got fired at your bank today or who left? Lydia left. She got another opportunity. Good for her. Do I ask you every day who's leaving, who's coming? Why do these people think that I'm obligated or anybody here is obligated to tell them why people left? Why? What, are they stupid? It's none of their but business. But you know in this business, the moment you're out the door, 
Curtis who? How many times have I been fired? No, How many times have you been fired? I've been fired 100 times. And the other thing is, as soon as you're out the door, you become the greatest of all time. Of course. Oh, how could they go on without him? He was the greatest of all time. For all of one week. <laughs> yeah, the but... next week, they're listening to whoever replaced you <laughs> like they didn't miss a beat. Of course. For the first week, it's I'll Idiots. never listen again. Idiots. It is the worst all station. Right. And then a week later, you know that new guy, that new guy, not too bad. Yeah, not too so bad. Started growing on me. Started growing on me. So is Roger Stone going to be live in studio today? No, no. He'll be down in Florida. We'll be going at it. I know Roger a long time. He's a guy who never wears socks, wears a pinky ring. You know how I hate that. <laughs> yeah. When those Gavones used to be wearing no socks and a pinky ring, I said, you think that's very manly? <laughs> and you know, he's uh, Mr. Haberdasher. He's always styled up. He wears the bowler cap. We're going to be going at it. And remember, I'm going to say to him, oh, I saw that your guy was there. You were talking about it earlier. With the Iowa Faith and Freedom Coalition, hey, Roger Stone, did you show up, the ultimate swinger? Uh, before there was Plato's Retreat, it was <laughs> Roger Stone hanging from the chandeliers. Yeah. Men, women, frozen vegetables, I'll have sex <laughs> with you. You don't want to miss this. One to three I'm today. I'm not going to miss it. Now, of course, Trump was not there. They played a video of Donald Trump Doesn't in matter. Iowa. Doesn't DeSantis matter. wasn't there, and Trump wasn't there. Doesn't matter. But I'm Trump was you. on the uh, Levin Show last night. So uh, that'll be exciting. One to three today. And Stone, but before I let you go, Saturday night, of course, uh, back to the inner circle, the mayor was there, and I guess they did a no, whole... No, 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 let's get that straight. He wasn't there. The whole idea no. is you roast the mayor. This is, like, uh, uh, this is like Dean Martin has a roast and you don't show up, right? Right. For the last two years, he hasn't been man enough to come in and sit and watch him being parodied by all the members was of the Was he press. there Saturday? He didn't come until the end when he responds. So he was there Saturday. Right. But right. the point is, yeah, no point. The okay, whole okay, idea, it doesn't matter who you yeah. were. In fact, yeah. remember, Rudy was even there in drag. Remember <laughs> that one time? I do remember Cox that, yeah. sat there, yeah. Dinkins. Right. You sit there the whole show because most of it is a parody on you. Well, he was busy. Oh, he's got such a he's thin fighting skin. crime. Yeah, where? My, no, no, my, where? Well, well, let me ask you, being that you're butting up with Anthony and all these other folks that you malign most of the time, when the mayor did get there eventually, and you and the mayor were in the same building at no, the same time, no, I had to come, were there any pleasantries? I had to come back here. I was on at 12 midnight. So you, know, you never saw o'clock. He always comes at the end. You're supposed to sit all He can't take criticism. And, boy, there were some really good parodies, well, who, who really good them? sketches. Well, like, who, who wrote them? I'm just, I'm all just the curious. reporters, all the people that he says, I'm a black man. Yeah. Don't you dare ever <laughs> criticize me, you McWhitey-Whiteys. You know that. And they actually did it on stage on oh, Saturday night. They, they did a magnificent. No Again, kidding. go to the WABC webpage, and you'll see the segment involving me outside of the building that he owns in Bed-Stuy, which is infested with rats. Well, who did that, that uh, segment? Who was the uh, the actual comic? Oh, it was you know? a female reporter. Because he got on stage at the end and did a whole routine at on rats. The end, I know. No, no, come no, on, no, man. No, I mean, no, this, no, no, this no. is what his entire administration <laughs> yeah. is known for. I'm going I'm to eliminate rats. No, you're not. The only rats you got to worry about are people like Carones. When all of a sudden they bring them into the feds, the U.S. Uh, uh, Southern Attorney's <laughs> Office, and said, hey, Carones, we'll make you queen for the day. What do you got for us about Eric Adams? You know that's how this whole system works. So that's the only rats he's worried about. You can't eliminate rats. You can come to daytime. You can sort of get them to the point where they're not coming out in the middle of the day, dancing the horror, the tarantella, and the crypt. That, that, I'm telling you, you are so right.
This city has lost its patience for Eric Adams. When he was on that stage in Washington, D.C., with Beetlejuice, with Lightfoot, Lightweight, and he was talking about, let's hug some thugs. They need love. Let's hug some thugs. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I'm the swagger man. That's right. I'm the swagger man. You got, I got swag. And all the brothers and sisters, amen, amen. Say it, brother. That's right. You know me. I'm the CEO of the largest corporation in America. What the hell is he talking about? What do you mean you're the CEO of the largest corporation in America? New York City is going bankrupt. We don't have enough money. And you, you're taking $4 billion of our money and you're spending it on these illegal aliens. Hey, who's your daddy? Who's your Papa Chulo? Me, Eric Adams. Come on, underlay, underlay. Oh, I'll put you up. Oh, Holiday Inn, right on Wall Street. You don't like the food? No problem. Culturally appropriate. Con arroza, bichuelas, beans and rice. What? You want two lettuce? I'm a vegan. I'm forcing the fire department to eat vegan. When hospital patients are in ICU, I'm saying don't worry about it. If you eat vegan, you'll be cured. You'll be like Lazarus, resurrected from the dead. The answer to all our problems in New York City is eat vegan. This guy has lost his mind, Sid. By the way, you better never make amends with Eric Adams again, or you will have an enemy for life. And by the way, when is Bo Dedham, when is Peter King going to join you and acknowledge that I should have been mayor of the city of New York like you did on Friday? Don't forget what you said. I have it in a capsule, a time capsule in perpetuity. You, Sid Rosenberg, said, Curtis, if you were mayor of New York City, we wouldn't be in the mess that we are now. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. Someday, Audio Idolic checks in. He says, Coda was not crazy, and he doesn't even do drugs. Right about that. Pretty good um, 73 minutes so far between Dove Hiking and Curtis Sliwa, which Larry will join us in about seven minutes, as he does every Monday. You know, yesterday, late in the afternoon, I had just watched the Knicks win, and uh, Golden State beat Sacramento. And uh, I watch... I have to admit this. I watch American Idol. I, I don't know. 
Don't ask me why. I, I can't stand Katy Perry. Uh, the country guy is boring as a day is long. What is his name? Is that Luke Bryan? Uh, mm, yeah. Yeah. And Lionel Richie is terrible. On, I mean, he's just terrible. And they say the same thing. Every single, first of all, every single kid has been through the worst thing you could ever imagine, the worst. Somebody died, somebody's dying. They go up there, they're very talented kids. They're great, don't get me wrong. But And the judges say the same stupid thing night after night for years. It's horrible. And then Ryan Seacrest comes out, just want to punch him across the face, you know. So I watched that, but uh, I had some time before American Idol. It's on again tonight, but I can't watch it. I have to uh, TiVo it. Is that even a word these days? No. No. No, it's not. The Rangers are on tonight. Yeah, you so. got to DVR it. I don't know. You got to record it. Whatever you it. call it, I don't know. Something. Yeah. So Danielle convinced me to watch something I'd never seen before. I know I'm late to the party, but Pamela, about Pamela Anderson. And I'm one of the very, very few red-blooded American males in his 50s that didn't have a thing for Pamela Anderson. I just didn't. Now, I saw the porn tape she made with her husband, Tommy Lee, and she was great. I'll be honest, beautiful and great. She was great in that. She was great. She was great in that film. I mean, I've seen Paris Hilton do a sex video, eh. Kim Kardashian sex video, eh. Pamela Anderson was like a real star. Um, and I hate saying that because the truth is it ruined her whole life. It ruined her whole life. I had no idea what this poor girl went through. She was at the very, very top, Baywatch, David Hasselhoff, Playboy, Tommy Lee, living the life, and... That sex tape really ruined everything. It ruined her marriage. It ruined her career. And now she's lonely. You know, she's married like five times. She also married uh, Kid Rock mm-hmm. at one point, back yeah. in 2006. Kind of like a knockoff Tommy Lee. And then she married some <laughs> other guy, and they got divorced last year. But now she looks horrible. She suffers with hepatitis C. And you'd never think in a million years she was ever this pinup model, loved by millions and millions of men. But... As she narrates and tells the story with her two boys, both of uh, Tommy Lee's kids, it's kind of sad, actually. And I never really followed her career. I didn't know. I knew she was a big deal, obviously. But she was a really big deal. She's got nothing. You know, when the sex tape came out, Bob Guccione, that's scumbag, from Penthouse, offered them $5 million cash. That was in 96. $5 million cash then is about $10 million cash now. But Pamela was so worried about her kids and how they would take it that she didn't take the money. And now she's living back in her little old town where she grew up in Canada with no money. Turns out that Pamela Anderson, actually, believe it or not, you think of blonde, bimbo, Baywatch, porn, she's actually got more scruples than you would think. And her two boys to this day love her for that. Tommy Lee's a lowlife, the ex-husband. Now he's actually, oh, that's kind of cool, that tape, you know. Back then, it destroyed everything. He became a jealous, crazy person and actually beat her up when she was holding their second child. And she left him that day, and that was it. Never went back. Although she does admit in the piece that she really can't love anybody else ever again, other than the father of her children. And the sad part is she can't be with him ever again because of who he is. So I'm sure most of you saw it, but if you didn't see it, even if you're not a big Pamela fan like me, it's a really interesting piece. I'm going to watch it now. I haven't seen it. Were, were you a big, I mean, you're kind of young for Pamela. Yeah, but I mean, I, everybody's seen the tape. That was still, you know, when I was when I was growing up in high school, that was, that still made the rounds. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Totally. Did you see, uh, you're too young for that, Kenneth, right? No, I, I saw it. You did? I, yeah, I've seen it. But 
What is that on? HBO? That documentary? Uh, I think it's on Netflix. Mm. I got to check that yeah, out. You got to check it out. It's really pretty heart wrenching. It's pretty sad where she is now, what she was, and what really people did to her. They took advantage of her. She was raped when she was 12 years old. And my God, I felt terrible. Huh? Cried the whole time. You know. Artie says, I missed you at the inner circle. Run and miss you. I don't want to go to that. <laughs> not my thing. I don't like events. I go every now and then, you know, because of John and Margot, and they always go to really nice events. Like, I like the event with uh, that uh, Scott Herman and Tim McCarthy put on every year for the broadcasters. I like that. Sure, yeah. At the plaza. But something like this is really, that's not for me. You know what I mean? You were busy. I'm too big for that. Yeah. And you had plans. It's not like you were just sitting at home doing nothing. Yeah, but I would have sat at home doing nothing anyway. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Traffic coming up next, along with Rich Lowry. But right now, it is time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis, where common sense prevails. It's a great show. John always tells both sides of the story every Sunday morning, starting at 8. And, of course, any time on the 77 WABC app, here, John talks with Ruben Diaz Sr., New York State Hispanic representative. You're very, very angry in what's going on, especially how the Hispanic community has been treated in the, uh, in New York State. Well, the Hispanic community has always been used and abused by the Democratic Party. When the black community needed a mayor, the Hispanic community were there. When the white needed a mayor, we have been there. But now when the Hispanic community needed the support of the black community and the support of the Democratic elected officials, they turned their back on us. John Katzmatidis, Ruben Diaz Sr., Sunday mornings at 8. It's a great show. Check it out, the Katz Roundtable. And, of course, check out John Katzmatidis every weekday afternoon at 5, Katz and Cosby. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Every promise I made to you as a candidate, I've fulfilled as your president. And I will continue to fight for our values, our faith, and our freedom when we become the very important 47th president of the United States. We have to do it or we're not going to have a country left. There has never been a time like this for our country. I say that if you take the first Five presidents that are the absolute worst, and you add them all together, they haven't done the harm that Joe Biden and his administration have done to our country. It's so sad. Against my cheek. I've got this fear inside of me. Walk down the stairs into the street.
face is warm from where I've been. I love that. If you take the five worst presidents ever and add them all up, they have not done the damage that Joe Biden, I think Biden, is expected to announce he's going to run again tomorrow. I don't know for sure. But my next guest probably does because he's amazing every Monday. The editor of the National Review, Politico, NBC, does a whole bunch of great stuff. His stuff is often syndicated right here in the New York Post, and it's always great. My dear friend, Rich Lowry. Rich, good Monday morning, buddy. How are you? What's up, Sid? Good. Big weekend for Trump. I mean, you had him on uh, Levin show last night yelling and screaming about a variety of things. And then he put out that video because he didn't go to Iowa for that faith and uh, freedom forum. So you had a lot of Donald Trump this weekend. Uh, The Wall Street poll came out this morning, the Wall Street Journal poll. And once again, Donald Trump, 48 percent. Ron DeSantis, 24 percent. I know Ron hasn't announced he's officially running yet, but. Trump continues to garner the momentum, and it looks like it looks like it's early, but it looks like the primary may be an easy win. It's possible. Uh, anything where Trump's below fifty is now a bad bad poll for him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there is a sign that the uh, indictment bump is coming down a little bit, but he is in a dominant position. We'll see. You know, it's like fifteen percent lead nationally or so on on average. So you know, if DeSantis gets like a ten point bump from an announcement, then it looks a little more competitive nationally. But there's just no doubt Trump is the odds-on favorite. I saw DeSantis give a speech at the Heritage Foundation fiftieth uh, anniversary event late last week in Washington, and it was good. I mean, he has an incredible record of accomplishment, perhaps the best record of accomplishment from any governor ever. But he's not a showman, you know. No. It wasn't a scintillating oration. No. He didn't blow the doors off the the place. A, a lot of a lot of warm feelings. But I sort of had, I I kind of guessed if Trump had followed him immediately, Trump would have had most people in the crowd. Yeah, I mean that counts. You know, Trump's got that amazing charisma. He is an entertainer. He's a showman, and Ronnie is solid. There's substance there, but he just doesn't have it. And look. Last week was not a great week for him when you consider some of those GOP donors decided we're taking money out of this because they believe now between the book ban and the abortion ban that he's no longer as electable as he once was. So that helps Trump tremendously, too. Big GOP donors taking money out of the DeSantis campaign. Yeah, I think they're they're wrong about that, and and that that doesn't really I, I don't think that was the worst thing last week. The, the thing that disturbed me most last week was fl- members of the Florida congressional delegation en- endorsing Trump in a way that was yep. time to embarrass DeSantis when he was in D.C. This was a, a really clever operation by the the Trump people. But when they were asked by reporters, so why are you with Trump instead of your your governor? They're like, well, Trump called me and had me to Mar-a-Lago, and it was DeSantis's <laughs> pollster that called me, or a guy a guy got hurt early. Earlier this year, uh, Trump called him. DeSantis didn't, and that's just the the blocking and tackling of, of politics, of personal relationships. And you know, there have been stories about DeSantis at book signings not looking one in the eye. You just can't do that. And they they have him doing more of that now. You know, self consciously going out and working the crowd. But Trump's a natural of that too, right? You know, he had he was at a Florida pizza place over the weekend handing out slices, you know, and, and that, that matters. So I don't think it's done, but there's no doubt that Trump is a formidable yeah. favorite. Yeah, even when uh, he went to Ohio, when no one else was going to Hawaii, Ohio, not mm-hmm. Biden, yeah. not Buttigieg, and he ended up at a uh, fast food McDonald's. restaurant there, too, yeah. right, McDonald's mm-hmm. handing out water and stuff. So yeah. he, he is at least trying to be the people's president, ending up at places like this when Ron doesn't do stuff like that. 
And so with, uh, right now it looks uh, very, very good for Donald Trump. Not so good for Ron DeSantis. But i got to tell you, had this conversation a couple of times last week. You look at DeSantis, the six-week abortion ban. You look at Mike Pence yelling and screaming last week how I'm pro-life. He said it again in Iowa this weekend. I say it with zero remorse and zero apologies. Get rid of the abortion pill. And that's all great. Don't get me wrong. You love Jesus. You love the Bible. God bless you. You're never going to win. I mean, the bottom line is, if you don't start to center just a little on abortion, it's going to be 2022 Election Day all over again. Yes, I imagine they'll, a lot of them at least will, will end up saying, you know, we're just not going to pass anything nationally right now. The country isn't ready for it. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, the, the, when Trump came out or his, one of his guys came out and said he, he doesn't favor any federal action, he was blasted by the, the main pro-life group. And so, uh, that that could matter in in Iowa, and and that's mm-hmm. that's probably the the whole the whole ball game is Iowa. If Trump wins Iowa, it is over with a capital O because he's going to win New Hampshire, and then that that's just it. But um, he, he, there's some signs he's a little weak there. There's some signs evangelical leaders at least have softened on him. So we'll see. What about Biden? It uh, there was I guess Friday it came out that there'd be some type of video announcement tomorrow Tuesday that he would uh, be running again in 2024. It's funny. I was in a um, in a meeting, at a sales meeting with Craig Kelly on Thursday, and this particular company asked me first, they said, who do you think wins the election? And I said, well, I'm a Donald Trump supporter. I want Donald to win. But if you're telling me my life depends on it right now, I think Biden wins again. And Kelly was like, I don't think he's going to run. I went through the same thing with Bernard. God rest his soul. He's not going to run. He's not going to win. He's going to have a bad Super Tuesday. And the next thing you know, he's the president of the United States. Yeah. The Republicans <laughs> and Kelly and these guys have this, you know, he ain't going to do it. I don't know. I think he is going to run. And I think right now he's got to be the odds-on favorite, no? Yes, agree, agree, agree with all that. He, he's going to run. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm with, uh, was with Bernie and, and Greg Kelly for a long time. There's no way he can run, and maybe that's right. You know, there still could be some terrible event that prevents him from doing it, but he seems determined to do it. I mean, everyone, the polling is just astonishing in terms of the, the number of Democrats that don't want him to run because they see what we see. This guy is not up for it. He's not up for it now. He's not going to be up for it two years, three yes, years, yes, four but, years but, now. But, he, but he's absurd. the guy that beat Trump. Clinton couldn't yeah, do it. No. He's the guy that beat Trump. So whether he's up for it, whether he can stay awake, none of that matters. All they care about is can Buttigieg beat Trump? No way. Can right. Harris beat Trump? So if Michelle Obama doesn't run, Biden has proven, if you believe it, he can beat Trump. That's all they care about. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and he's basically like a placeholder, and they won with the placeholder last time, and they think they can win with the placeholder this time, and it's not crazy to, to think that. Now, I have a Democratic friend who believes if, some, if it's some other nominee besides Trump, um, they might switch him out. Right. But um, right. they think he's the, he's the best match against Trump. And this is the thing about Biden, horrible record. Um, you know, the, the, the furthest left president we've ever had, but he's kind of this doddering old man who doesn't scare most people, and right. that's his biggest political advantage. Well, then you get people like Kelly and even Bernie, who, when he was alive, who go on and on about all these investigations and Hunter Biden. And now I was watching this morning, there are 12 Bidens who may be involved in all this, and I believe all that's true. And I do believe Biden is guilty here, but I believe that for two years. Over yep. two years ago, yep. Miranda no, Devine talked you. about it. I mean, enough this, already. 
the the evidence there, there's stronger evidence now we kind of we knew this as you say it's a family business influence peddling is the family business and uh, but it's not going to matter what evidence they get unless the press kicks in and, and wants to get rid of Biden and really covers that story in an intense way. And is that going to happen? Never. No, never. never. So you could have Mike McCormick going on Jesse Waters and Sean Hannity and Greg Kelly eight nights a week. And guess what? No one cares. Nobody. Yep. Yep. Nobody cared when Bobolinsky went on Tucker Carlson. I watched it. It was great. I believe it's all true. But in the big scheme of things, numbers wise. Nobody cares. Yeah, you know, you know what circumstance it would have been covered if the Democrats got wiped out in the midterms and everyone on that side thought he was a liability, then the press would have covered it because everyone would have wanted him to go away. But that that didn't happen, and he's the only guy they got, and the uh, the, the press bodyguard is, is still in place. But what about this IRS whistleblower? I know Jim Jordan was on with Laura Ingram on Friday on Fox talking about it, and what do you think happens with that? Anything there? Um, I, you know, it's it's a significant story, and it seems obviously true. It's kind of crazy he hasn't been charged with something to this point. I still think he might be charged with something, you know, something very minor, a uh, misdemeanor where they can say, oh, we held him accountable. You know, Joe Biden's Justice Department charged uh, Joe Biden's son with a crime. Hmm. At the same time, it, it uh, evades and, and tries to cover up and divert attention from the main event, which is what we talked about is the influence peddling. So, you know, you get him on a uh, ticky-tacky gun charge or an IRS charge or two, that, that doesn't, doesn't hit at the heart of the matter. Any of these other candidates on the way out here, Rich Lowry, besides Trump, DeSantis, Biden, the big players, any of these other candidates actually light something, a fire uh, that you actually are intrigued by, you care? Because I'm not. I, yeah, I don't want to watch Tim Scott on TV or Nikki Haley or you know, or certainly not Asa Hutchinson. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to watch any of these folks. How about you? Somebody out there that you're interested uh, yeah, in? Yeah, I think Tim Scott uh, could have a moment. Um, you know, but it just passed. There it was. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I missed it already. Uh, you know, uh, Ben Carson had a moment. Herman Cain had a moment. R- Republicans love African-American candidates. He is a charismatic guy. So there's going to be a time when the, the, the attention goes to him and he, he bumps up in the polls, I, I believe. And um, I, I know people think I'm crazy, but Mike Pence could, could get some traction in Iowa. No, he can't. Um, yep. Oh, maybe no, he, he, can. No, he can in Iowa, yes. I don't disagree so, with um, that. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's hard to see anything. You're not about to bet your whole salary this year that RFK Jr.? Becomes- <laughs> <laughs> he's strong, though. Yeah, get, I, maybe people think he's the other RFK. <laughs> but but uh, given you know where he is and he's running against an incumbent president, getting double-digit support is pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. You're right. Well, that, that's yeah. really, you know, it's kind of like nobody voted for Biden. They all voted against Trump. These RFK numbers, I think, are more of yeah, an indictment of exactly. Biden than a yeah. – uh, yeah. exactly. I mean, if, if they're a real candidate, Biden would be in enormous trouble. Right, exactly. But there are no real candidates, so yep. – and no one's coming, right? I mean, Michelle yep. Obama's not coming. Nope. Mm-mm. No? Never. No nope. chance. Not going to happen. Hillary Clinton. <laughs> you know, she's sitting somewhere in her heart. She's thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no. <laughs> no chance. All right. Well, listen, these Bill, are always – Maybe Bill. Maybe Bill. Bill. See, now yeah. Bill comes – Oh, Trump said all nice things about Bill Clinton this weekend on Levin Show. I miss that. Oh, yeah. He said they blew a golden opportunity in 2016 because Bill kept telling him, hey, Hillary, you got to go to Michigan. You got to go to Wisconsin. Yeah. 
Yeah, there, there's one one really good politician in that family, and it's not Hillary. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, as always, the Monday morning conversations are fascinating. You're the best. I love you. Rich Lowry, great job. Thank you so Thank much. You. Have a great week. My man, Rich Lowry, editor, National Review, Politico, NBC, all of it. That's a great two hours, folks. Great two hours. Dove Hikind, Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry. Great 8 o'clock hour about to come your way. We got Joseph Takapina. That uh, rape defamation trial for Donald Trump about to get underway. Believe they start the jury search tomorrow. Joe Tacopino joins us next, plus Gnomes Nuggets and Charlie Gasparino. A very exciting 8 o'clock hour on your favorite talk show. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC is next. Going Brooklyn style, 809 on your sunny Monday morning before the clouds roll in. Brooklyn style for my next guest, who is the best defense attorney in the world. Bottom line, Audie Idala, great. Danielle Rosenberg, great. But Joseph Takapina has distinguished himself as the best in the business. Brooklyn boy, Bedford Avenue, now making it big, representing people like President Donald Trump. But I will tell you this about Tak. Late Saturday night, he was like the rest of us. Ranger fans, <laughs> as he left Madison Square Garden after a brutal overtime loss to the Devils. Now, tonight, game four, Rangers have a chance to take a commanding three games to one lead, or New Jersey can reduce this to a best of three and take back home ice advantage. It's a big game tonight. Will Tack be there? We'll find out right now. Here he is, my man, Joseph Tacopino. Good morning, Joseph. Oh, my God. I, you know, I have the opening statements tomorrow in Donald Trump's trial. So what? So, the Rangers. I mean, yeah. This I'm is the almost, Rangers. I'm almost at so what. I'm almost at so what. <laughs> I just, you know, and I'm ready to go. I've been ready to go in this case for, for a long time. And, and you know, but it's just there's there's just I, 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 I can't do it. I can't go. Well, let me, let me ask you an honest question. Me. Text me, asking me about going into a suite tonight. And yeah. like, <laughs> Pete Morgan. So, it, it, yeah, so you're ready to go. You've been ready for weeks. 
Donald Trump, uh, you speak to him every day, every morning. He loves you. He knows how hard you prepare. But in this in this hypothetical, Trump uh, finds out that you were actually at the Ranger game tonight. Would he be upset? No, no, no. It's not about him being upset. I mean, he knows I'm I'm super ready. Look, this is it. This is this is why I was born. This trial stuff is what I do, right? I mean, that's that's why why I've been pretty successful at it, and I love doing it. Um, it's hard work, though. I mean, you know, myself, Matt DiOrio's, Chad, we're in the office until literally until 3 a.m. every night, and that's not exaggerating. I mean, I could send you emails from last night around 3:45, nice. and that's what you do for trial. Trials are a different thing. It's not just, you know, that, that's why I wanted to always be a trial lawyer. I could never be a contract lawyer sitting in one of those big law firms, you know, you know, piping out papers and, and doing contract work. It's just not for me. I'd rather be serving Nespresso's or working at LB Spumoni <laughs> Gardens, honest to God, than, than doing that. Yeah. But but this is what I live for. I love the, 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 the battle of the trial. And I love what it stands for and, and how the rule of law is important in this country still by a, by a thread, by the way. We're going to see after this trial if I truly believe in the rule of law anymore. But, right. you know, here's the bottom line. It, it, it's These trials take everything out of you. And, you know, you go on two, literally two, three hours sleep. Real trial lawyers will tell you that for a month on end. And you're fine. It's all adrenaline. And then the day the trial is over, inevitably, and I've tried 100-plus jury trials, said the day the trial is over, you fall into this horrific rut where you get, you're get you stuck in bed for three or four days. Uh, the adrenaline's gone. You know what's so. funny about that? And not uh, exactly the same, but almost the same. That's me, 10.05 every morning. Because for four yeah. hours, I have so much energy, and I'm – I'm there. I'm ready from 6:05 on, and literally at 10:03, I'm completely Crash. drained, crushed. Yeah, same exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a I phenomenal. Mean, yeah. yeah, you're putting but, on a but, show in front of the jury, and I'm putting on a show for millions of New Yorkers. But it's the same now, thing. Now let me... <laughs> Let me be clear about one thing. I will be watching the game tonight. Yeah, of course you will. Of course. The opening statement. There's well, no chance I'm missing that. But well, tom- tom- I, I couldn't go. I'm kind of confused. Tomorrow's the opening statement, and maybe I'm confusing. There's so many Trump cases going on. I know. On. I know. I know. But, I, 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 isn't tomorrow also, also jury selection? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you, you know enough about this world to say that's an odd question. Yes, it what? is jury selection and opening statement. How? I mean, we're in federal court. Yeah, I don't honestly, I don't know. I mean, look, I've had jury selections in cases with much less notoriety, YG's case and, and some of these other big trials I've done, where it's taken weeks to get a juror, weeks to get a jury because they have to be vetted, they have to make sure they have no pre-existing biases, no anything. In a case where you have the former president of the United States of America who people either love or or don't love, okay, you know, there's going to be a lot out there from a, uh, you know, informational standpoint on qualifications of jurors. But I'm told, I'm told this judge plans on picking a jury within a couple of hours, and, you know, it's federal court, so we, the lawyers, don't get to stand up and actually interact with the jury. The judge does all the questioning. And, you know, it's sort of throwing a dart against the wall and saying, oh, yeah, you look fine, you look fine, you look fine. So right now the plan is to possibly, I should say possibly, open tomorrow afternoon or Wednesday morning, but it's mm. going to be warp speed. Wow. Selection. Yeah. It doesn't make me feel that good. Honestly. No, it's a lot. Now, now but, what about know. this uh, story that broke on Fox News on Friday? Again, we're talking to the great defense attorney, Joe Tacopina, preparing for this rape defamation case alleged against President Donald Trump. This guy, Reed Hoffman, a founder and former executive (laughs) chairman of LinkedIn, he wrote in an online post that he's backing E. Jean Carroll, not just backing, but he's a billionaire and defending her with a bankroll of cash. Is that true? 
Yeah, I'm, listen, what I, I, there's certain things that are under seal in this case that I can't run the risk of, of, of violating, okay? I mean, I do take that stuff seriously. Judge Kaplan is someone I respect for, and, and he and I have worked with each other before. So, you know, I haven't spoken about this case publicly. I'm not going to start now. But the minute the trial's over, Sid, I'll be in your studio waiting for you to show up, <laughs> and we'll talk all about this case. Believe me. Believe me. Uh, but, God. yeah, Reed Hoffman, on his own, I think he thought we were onto him, but, he, you know, he, uh, he came out with this post saying that he is funded – uh, Gene Carroll's lawsuit. And, you know, that's a, a guy whose stated mission in life, Reed Hoffman, um, is to get Trump, um, to take down Trump. I mean, and, he, reminds, he reminds me a lot of like a George Soros type of guy, a Democrat with a ton of money exactly. out there to get Republicans like Trump. Yeah. It, 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 exactly. I mean, it's, 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 you know, look, again, to me, this guy knows nothing about this case, nothing. If I had 15 minutes with him and he had a brain, and I'm sure he does, obviously he's a billionaire, he invented LinkedIn, I guess, you know, so, but if I had 15 minutes with him, I think I, I could explain why yeah. he could have spent his money elsewhere. But listen, it's it's not about, it's not about what's right or wrong. It's about agendas, in my opinion, uh, with a lot of these people. And, and I think that's where, yeah. where, you know, and listen, I'm going on his public post, not on anything that has to do with anything that's under seal in this case, but right. he no. publicly came out. Yeah, it was out there. Yeah. I, I funded that lawsuit. Yeah. I think it's because he thought, you know, it was going to come out eventually. So let me give you credit way back when Bernard was still alive, when that lady ended up dead, God rest her soul on the movie set of rust, you said, uh, Looks to me like it was an accident, and whether you like Alec Baldwin or not, and most of my listeners hate Alec Baldwin, of course, the Trump supporters, yeah, yeah. but whether you like him or not, clearly this is going to turn out to be an accident, and he's going to get off, and it turns out yeah. you're right. Hey, look, it was just, it, to me, this was a completely a PR move, you know, to, to just try and hold the most famous person in the whole tragedy accountable. He's the actor. He's the guy who's given the gun at the end of the thing. You know, how did a live round get on that set? That's the question that no one's been able to answer. Certainly Alec Baldwin was not responsible. Yeah. And so, like, it's, this is a, not a civil case. It's a criminal case where you have to have intent and or you have to be so reckless. But he was the guy who was after the armorer was on set, the producer, and all these other people who were supposed to be checking the weapons. You know, how, how did he get charged with a crime to begin with? It's, you know, it's... Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, plus, plus we found out on Friday, because I did discuss with, with uh, Idala, too, that uh, the gun actually uh, had a way of firing by itself. In other words, Baldwin didn't have to pull the trigger, and the gun still could have right. gone off. I mean, and, you know, when, it's funny. It's funny. When he had said that early on, that he didn't even pull the trigger... The mocking and ridicule from people. You know, one thing I've learned about in this the Trump world that I'm now in is that there are so many morons who talk like they know things that they're talking about in the media, pundits. I mean, morons beyond level of, of like, repulsively unintelligent, Sid, repulsively unintelligent people saying things. I read some idiot, some idiot, former federal prosecutor who I can't wait to talk to after this trial's over, saying, I'll be held in contempt in this case because my style is very grating and I'm very aggressive. And Judge Kaplan doesn't like that, really. Judge Kaplan and I have tried cases together, and, and we have a good relationship. Uh, I, I've never been held in contempt in my life. But, you know, but, but, but this federal prosecutor who's now a writer for, I don't know, who, what blog or, you know, everyone's a journalist now. They all have, you know, shoe.com or crimelawandorder.com and all these stupid things. And they call themselves journalists. They sit in their mom's basement in their underwear typing an article. They think they're journalists, right? Um, you know, they have five followers on LinkedIn, but whatever. I, I'm so – the ignorance. People are saying things in, in this case 
that they know nothing yeah. about. And, yeah. and again, the same thing happens now. Now, look, I was always skeptical. I never was someone who believed what I read just because it was written. Okay, you know that's it. And and to me, it's take, it's at a whole new level now. Because look, said so ten fifteen years ago. You know, when I had a case, when you had something, it was the New York Times, the New York Post, the Daily News, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, whatever, the, the, the journalistic sort of, you know, pieces out there that were done by journalists and yep. the real publications that actually had editors and things of that nature. Now everyone's a journalist. You know, I, I, I've, I've seen, like, websites that get hit on Google Earth I've never even heard of before. I know, I know. Alchemist. Clearly, there's no editing going on. No, no. People with agendas writing nasty stuff, they don't even know what they're talking about. And what's what's even worse, you know, what's even worse is forget about those websites, which now have popped up. Some of the legendary papers you mentioned, they're worse than the websites, including the New York Times. I mean, geez, here's a story in today's New York Post I want to cover with you. Hunter Biden just had this conversation. Looks like his father, Joe, will announce tomorrow that he is once again running for president. Hunter How Biden. Be? <laughs> well, because, because he can be Trump. That's all. Um, yeah. He already beat him once. Hunter Biden may be living at the White House to evade legal papers from his baby mama. Is that right? Yeah, that's what they say. Look, look, this, this guy is. I mean, honestly, I don't mean to be so so biased. Obviously, I'm a. I'm a I'm Donald Trump's lawyer, President Trump's lawyer, and and I care about his family because Eric and Donald are the two I've been closest to, of course, with Kimberly. Um, they, they are terrific kids. They really are. I mean, they get they get knocked around so much. Eric Trump, who's up there in that Trump organization, running that organization, um, is, is a phenomenally intelligent. Oh, I love him. He, 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 he was on the show last Wednesday, and his wife, Lara, is on the show all the time. Lara, I love Eric Lara's and Lara. terrific. Yep. Good people. That are that are intelligent and just salt of the earth type people. They, you know, growing up a billionaire child could could sort of skew your your perspective in life. No, I mean not with these guys yet. But they get attacked if they say or do anything. Hunter Biden, who apparently has a drug problem, a prostitute problem, all these different other problems, makes deals with China. Again, this is what I've been reading. It, it seems incredible that he, and now the IRS. You know, there's federal tax crimes. They're apparently looking into the the uh, his $2.8 million IRS bill, which was paid for someone else. And, and apparently there's a whistleblower now, right? So someone from the, um, you know, uh, the IRS criminal division, a supervising agent at the criminal division, came forward and said, look, we brought these claims to federal prosecutors, but they're not letting us go forward with tax charges that should be brought, that, that are clearly should be brought. And, and so you have that. You have him hiding this house. So he can't get served with papers by, you know, his, I guess his, the baby mom is a former stripper or something that wanted to file papers because he's been failing to meet his financial requirements over his child. I mean, it's unbelievable. And this is the same guy who the court had to order to get a paternity test to make sure that that baby was his, which it was. Um, so, you know, I mean, please, you can't. It's, it's, and, and how he's treated publicly or in the press compared to how. I don't know, Eric or, 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 or Junior are treated, is something that is upsetting to me. Because wow. the, the hypocrisy and yep. double standards yep. out there. And, and said, look, you got you and Bernie talk about it all the time. You used to, in our private conversations, tell me about it all the time. I was, you know, I wouldn't say a disbeliever, but I just didn't think it was all that, okay? 
It's all that and worse. It's all that and worse. And I'm seeing it yep. live and in person. And yeah. I can't believe what I'm yeah. seeing. No, I know. When you really uh, jump into it, because I didn't either. I was doing sports all those years. You were practicing law. But me talking about it every day, you now spending a lot of time with the family and delving into their personal deals, you're starting to see the bias is it's unacceptable. It's outrageous is what it is. It's outrageous. So with all that said, later on tonight, you can't go to the game. You are preparing, even though you're done already, for Trump's case tomorrow morning. Will there still be a three-way chat between Sid Rosenberg, Joe Tacopina, and Pete Morgan. With every Ranger goal, with every <laughs> Jacob Truba, Jacob Truba annihilating hit, with every Shisterkin save, yeah. you know, of course. I love it. Of course I love it. And please, please express my condolences to Lou um, for his Islanders. I think that's uh, that's about that is a done deal. Yeah, that's done. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, man, I, I'll talk to you tonight. I can't wait. I, I love Jacob Chuba now, too, because of you. And um, I don't have to wish you good luck tomorrow because you're always prepared. You're the best in the business. You'll be great. So let's get the win tonight first. Then we'll worry about Trump tomorrow, okay? You got it. <laughs> All right, Joseph. That's a great job. Uh, let's go, Rangers. The best in the business. Defense attorney Joseph Tacopino, the absolute best. He's got a huge day coming up for President Trump tomorrow. But, but, my man Joe has his priorities right. It's Trump tomorrow. Rangers tonight. Let's effing go, Rangers. In friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Some good NBA games coming up later on tonight. Do you want to get at some point to Stephen A. Smith? He just destroys Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi's a future Hall of Famer. If you follow the NBA, you know who he is. If you don't, well, then change the channel for two minutes. What can I tell you? Won a championship, at least one in San Antonio a few years ago. Won it again in Toronto and now on the Clippers. But Clippers about to be ousted by Kevin Durant, Booker. 
and the Phoenix Suns, that series 3-1 Phoenix. And uh, Leonard only played 56 games this year. They do this thing in the NBA now, which is really unfair to paying customers. It's called load management, and it's not about duty, that load. It's about players that are aging, often injured, that take a lot of time off during the regular season so they'll be healthy for the playoffs. Which, again, if I spend money on Clipper tickets, I want to see Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And he missed 26 regular season games. He's hurt again. And it's just not right. Years ago, I think San Antonio started this. Popovich, that a-hole with Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, all those guys. So that's a big issue for the NBA is these people spend money on tickets and a lot of these aging stars just don't play. It's nonsense. So Stephen A. Smith just destroyed Kawhi Leonard. And I'll play that for you later. Knickerbockers now up three games to one. What a win yesterday. I spoke to Mike Breen right after the game. And I know that Brunson and R.J. R.J. was great. He's been great for two games. They combined for 55. But can you say enough about Josh Hart? My God, you talk about intangibles, every loose ball. I mean, he's Oakley who can score. He can take the ball to the basket. He makes big threes, always covers the opposition's best offensive player. Josh Hart, what an unbelievable pickup. And Robinson was a big yesterday, too. And I want to commend the coach, Tom Thibodeau, on benching Julius Randle. I mean, Randle, look, over 25 a game, I understand one of the better offensive players in the NBA. The Knicks don't get here without him. But there are days where Julius Randle does nothing. The last two games, he's shooting about 20% from the floor. He stands there, holds the ball. The shot clock goes down to three, and he heaves up a bad shot. That's the Randall offense. Now, when he's making them, scoring 50-70, he looks great. But when he's not, it's a very stagnant Nick offense. And that's when the Cavaliers erase a 15-point deficit and take a three-point lead. So I was thrilled that Tibbs benched him. He never got back in late in that game when the Knicks made that final run and actually won. Knicks and Cavs, game five coming up Wednesday night in Cleveland. The Knickerbockers have not had a second-round playoff game at home, or anywhere for that matter, in almost 25 years. That's a big deal. So the Knicks are right there, as is Boston. They're up 3-1 on Atlanta. The Sixers have moved on. They swept the Nets. And Miami-Milwaukee, no Giannis, much different series Miami up two games to one in that series. They'll play game four from Miami later on tonight. Noam, what do you got, pal? I sent my uh, kids to the Nets game on Saturday. A losing effort. Yeah. They got swept. It was, they said it was not only was it brutal because just the Nets were playing god-awful basketball, but they yeah. said half of the arena was Sixers fans. Of course. So, because, you know, the obviously those Nets fans who knew they were going to go out and force sold their yeah, tickets. Yeah. And so it was just... Yeah, it was it's just horrible. Listen, I, uh, my buddy Anthony Carone, very nice, took me, Danielle, and Gabe to a Nick net game in Brooklyn about two months ago. Kyrie Irving was still there. He killed the Knicks that day. It's a depressing place. I mean, when you go to the Garden, you know, bad or good, it's such an, an unbelievable environment. The Barclays Center is, like, dark. Yeah. And, I don't know. It's It's not for me. Yeah. Not and for me. Anyway, it was it was a lot of money for a losing effort in the game four there. Why'd you do that? 
uh, you know, they wanted to go to the game, and so I just went Are they Nets fans? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. the first problem. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Please. Well, because they, they grew up Knicks fans, but the Knicks were terrible until well, What does that so, mean? Well, they switched over. No, you don't do that. They're bandwagons. You know? <laughs> okay, fine. So, um, so I don't know if you've noticed this, but over, because it doesn't really affect us, but most people who work in an office now are being monitored in a way like you've never been monitored before. And all of this has come out post-pandemic, right, when everybody was stuck at home working on their computers. Uh, bosses wanted a way to know how uh, their workers were doing and how much right. time they were spending at their office. You know, and- my son actually is a genius. Right. He actually uh, took like a still photo. He did something, I don't know, on his computer so that when he was in class, for example, if they would check on his computer, he'd be sitting there. But he was out. So that's funny. So my 14-year-old did the same thing. Oh, really? Except that they were tracking him. So he was on YouTube while he was in class watching Spider-Man. And the teacher, you know, sent him an instant message. How come you're watching Spider-Man when you're supposed to be in history class? So it didn't always work out that well. Well, it's the same thing in these offices. It sounds very Orwellian. It is. But I guess they've got a reason. I I don't know. Well, so now nearly 8 in 10 companies say they will monitor their workers, especially the ones who work from home because there's so many people working from home now so you're being tracked in a way you've never been tracked before uh the way you type uh pictures of you using your camera um uh, anytime you use your mouse it's basically software that your company installs on your company computer and sometimes your personal device that tracks everything you do on your computer now it can track keystrokes so if you're typing in things on your keyboard like passwords to your bank it can track that it takes screenshots at different intervals up to the manager to decide and then it sends screenshots of your screen back to your manager to show them what you were doing yeah so there oh, are boy. some troubles with this plan because <laughs> it managers we have one here in our office we do we do nabib who's that Nabib, he works in the back. Don't even know who that is. Okay. Is that a real person you made that up? <laughs> no, no, he's okay. a real person. Okay. Great guy. <laughs> so uh, a lot of them say they wouldn't feel comfortable introducing this to the staff unless the staff knows that they're being watched. These right. companies say it's to help productivity in workers, when in reality, if you don't trust your workers, fire them and get new ones. Um, because it does crazy things like it will uh, track if you've been moving your mouse within a few minutes or uh, the last time you typed on your keyboard, oh, and on. if it's been too long and you haven't had any computer input, then it sends an alert back to your boss right. saying that you're not working. And so since we're in this, like, gig economy where people are most – lots of people are getting an hourly wage, what they started to do now is dock people oh, come if on. their mouse, their keyboard, if there isn't pictures of them sitting at their desk working. Horrible. Yeah. I was worried about the interracial porn they were going to find, but <laughs> yeah, this is much. I worse got a than lot that. of that. <laughs> um, the uh, New York Times did a piece on this last week. Uh, Jody Cantor is a good reporter for them, and she says that um, bosses they love this technology, so it's not going to go away. One of the most fascinating parts of this reporting was really talking to people, both bosses, software makers, even some employees who believe in this stuff hmm. and believe it is the right way for the workplace to function. Yes, so here's how workers are getting back, Sid, is um, there's all this technology you can do to beat the outside of the camera. The camera is the hardest thing to beat. But if your workplace doesn't force you to put on a camera while you're working, which is just creepy in itself, by the way, um, you can get a mouse that shakes every 15 seconds. 
so it looks like you're working. And that costs about 9 bucks if you go onto Amazon today. There's also a keyboard simulation model that does the same thing. We'll do keystrokes to make it look like you're typing something <laughs> when you're not sitting at your desk. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, that is a good job out of you. Sure. You're, you're looking out for your fellow co I am. I, I just think, wow, geez, it's how too horrible much. is that? You're, it's way too much. Way too much. Thank you, Noam. Sure. That is a service by Noam Layden right there. Two great guests about to come your way, Charlie Gasparino and Carol Markowitz down in Florida. What a really good column about Trump and DeSantis this morning. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. USA album. I did say album. Downbound train, Bruce Springsteen, 845. Still sunny out there. Going to get cloudy later Monday morning. Number one listen to talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, with you. Had a great uh, guest list already this morning, right? Started off with 640 Dove Hiking. We did Curtis Sliwa. We did Rich Lowry. We did Joseph Takapina. Up next is a guy that I really love, Fox News, and he's a big-time writer, and the guy's at the gym, and He's just a New York treasure. Everybody loves him. Bo Dita loves him, too. That's all that matters. He's the great Charlie Gasparino. Charlie, good Monday morning, buddy. How are you? Hey, great, Sid. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, this Dylan Mulvaney stuff, I, you know, I'm in recovery, so I don't drink anymore. Uh, I was never really a beer guy. Like if, I went, like, if I went to the Ranger game tonight, I would drink beer. If I went to a Met game, I'd drink beer. Otherwise, I was uh, a vodka guy, you know. But um, yeah, me too. yeah, you too. There you go. But so you know that the beer companies, they see the millennials like an old Sid and Charlie drinking tequila, Casamigos, and vodka, and uh, they want to drink beer. So I guess in an effort to sway some of these kids, they've gone the transgender route. Dylan Mulvaney, I'm going to ask you. I don't know. How's that gone so far? Uh, not very. <laughs> I, mean, listen, I work with millennials all the time. Uh, you know, my, my producer is a, is a millennial Gen Z, or I guess on the borderline there. Um, and, you know, I ask, does a transvestite in a bubble bath, semi, semi-nude, sipping a beer, does that entice you to buy that beer? <laughs> and I couldn't find one person yeah. who said, that a transvestite semi-nude in a bubble bath, sipping a beer and giggling, uh, is a turn-on to buy the beer. Yeah. And just and to buy the price. It's just, yeah. it, it is one of the dumbest things I've ever I've ever encountered. But, you know, there's a whole corporate story here, which I wrote about in the Post for my weekly column. Um, you know, I, I know they, they put – they allegedly put the – the person who was behind the ad, the marketing person on leave. And I think they're making her a scapegoat because there's just no way 
one person, you know, gets away with something, right. something like this without it's, 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 it's kind of like it's box. like it's, it's kind of like giving the kid who leaked the Pentagon information the death penalty, and no one else gets yeah, in trouble. It, you know, you know, it's somebody, it's someone higher up screwed up, of course. and you know that. And so I, I feel badly for her. She was stretching, and they were stretching and uh you know this is a company that if you if, if you go through corporate history and again i've been i i've been reporting this out not just with people that know the some of the executives but people i have sources whose family own um own beer beer distributors like big ones so i i i asked them about this stuff this is the talk of all you know anheuser-busch is a company but it, it runs based on its beer distributors and wholesalers that sell to people and uh, this is a company, Anheuser-Busch, that was bought out, bought by another company, a Belgian-Brazilian company called InBev, about 15 years ago, which is essentially largely controlled, not essentially, but largely controled by a, 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 um, a private equity firm called 3G. And they're known as wicked, notorious cost-cutting. And from what I understand, they just whacked out layers and layers of management, including people in the marketing department. So you didn't have... You know, some of the best people were not there. At least this is what I heard. I called up 3G and InBev for comment and Anheuser-Busch Day. You know, they're not calling me back. But uh, mm. this is what I heard, that some of this, you know, when you start cutting so much, when you look to cut fat, right, sometimes in these corporate situations you cut bones, and then you start getting rid of people that you need there to make sure everything yeah. runs on time and runs right. And I, that's what I've heard happened in, in this case. Well, I don't, uh, like I said, I don't drink beer anymore, but uh, Justin Alec does, my producer, and he said the bigger issue is that Bud Light just sucks. It's a horrible beer. I don't know if that's true or not, but. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I've heard that too. Yeah. I've heard that too. I mean, all I know is when I was growing up, Charlie, and, and I'm a big sports fan, or you are too, and, you know, all these commercials are like former football players, and, you know, they even invited guys like Rodney Dangerfield, but it was so masculine and so fun to watch. Some of these guys taste better or, you know, whatever. All these different um, slogans they had, and it was great, and the beer business was booming. I, I don't know why they think all of a sudden this was going to work. I mean, bring back the old fat football players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Clydesdales. I mean, it was American. It was very American, you know. I mean, Anheuser-Busch. Listen, I went to University of Missouri Journalism School, right? We used to that's – in, that's in the middle of Missouri, Columbia, Missouri. And then we used to take trips to St. Louis to go to the Anheuser-Busch factory, which was wild. Like, you go there, you drink some beers, they, they give nice. you a tour. I mean, it is an American company started by uh, a guy that, you know, uh, Augustus Bush, who – um, German immigrant, I believe. He served in the Civil War, and then he came back and he created a beer company here that became an iconic brand. And to see it being, being, you know, just, just, just abused like this. And listen, I, I'm not. Trust me, Sid. I'm not anti-trans at, at all. I have friends who are trans. I don't, couldn't care less what you do with your life. But this sort of weird indoctrination of the left. Um, in every fact of our lives, you know, commercials, this, that, and the other thing, to change what yeah. is essentially cultural norms. And we're not talking about acceptance here. We're talking about proselytizing. It's the difference. One thing to demand acceptance, and another thing to demand, demand yeah. that. Oh, no, they go too far. I mean, I, I remember. That's, it, what that's what we have here. Right. It's I mean, it, for the most of our lives, Charlie Gasparino, all the commercials are white people, and that's not good either, but. Now, every commercial I see, and it doesn't matter what the product is, it doesn't matter, 
two black people, an Asian person, and they throw in a token white person at the very end. It's like, why do you have to go to the other extreme? Why? I know. I To see a white guy doing anything in a commercial now is like, is is really rare. Yeah. Notice that it's like yes. sales don't exist. They, they 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 don't exist. They don't pay taxes. They don't do anything. They actually. <laughs> pay I mean, I'm just I, I you know. And you ever notice that if you see couples, they're often interracial. Yes. Yes. Now I, yes. I again nothing about. I couldn't care less. And trust me on this. But are all couples you know interracial? Does that represent <laughs> any sort of like any sort of sampling, oh, grand God, demographic no. sampling? It's so nuts. And by the way, these are the type of people that are in a lot of these marketing departments. That's how you come. And then if you get rid of some of the old hands and you start cutting and, you know, people leave and some smart people leave, well, then you get marketing departments run amok and you see trans, transvestites in bubble baths. Or the, the other one on the March Madness, I thought was even more. And I thought it was belittling to women. So Dylan Mulvaney is sitting behind uh, a counter with a bunch of Bud Lights, right? And she's dressed like Audrey Hepburn in in um in <laughs> and she's mumbling about uh, March Madness, like oh, there's this thing called March Madness, and I don't, I thought it was just people going crazy in March. I mean, as if women are that stupid, right? Tone deaf. Right. I, it was so demeaning. I was like, can you imagine if you did this? If this was a, a white guy in blackface doing that about? Black oh, people? forget it. Be all over. But and by the way, and, uh, and, how many offices? Is it the women? I know they pick it, the teams based on the colors or the mascots, but how many women win the office basketball pool during March Madness? A lot. A lot of them. Yeah, right? no, but women are into sports. I mean, of course. Of course. I ran six miles yesterday, and I was at a track. It was raining. I was doing it. There were a bunch of girls. I want to say it was, it was at the Brian McMahon High School in Norwalk. There were a bunch of kids. Women, all girls, I mean, playing, killing each other. Oh, more, more, girl, more girls won than guys. Were, and by the way, they were playing lacrosse. Yeah, I yeah. One of the most masculine yeah. I, I would imagine were, yesterday was the Brooklyn half, and I would bet that the majority of runners were women. I mean, my wife alone has won 39 marathons. So. And, and by the way, it's a good thing. And, you know, and here's the thing. Here's the other thing about this trans debate, which is just unnerving to, to, to me in particular, and I'm sure you guys too. I mean, the fact that women's sports are being – you can be a man, a biological man, and play in women's sports. Ridiculous. They change if you – I mean, it's just Ridiculous. so nuts. Yeah. I mean, it's just – Terrible. It's just defied, where's the – remember that whole thing when – People were uh, during COVID. I believe in the science. It was kind of a virtue signal from the left. Where's I believe in the science when it comes to this stuff? Oh, there's no science. Michelle Tafoya said it on Fox on Friday. She's a woman, and it's ridiculous. Right. Now I know the House passed it that uh, men cannot compete if they put on a wig against women. But good luck in a Democrat Senate getting that through. But there was one other story about women which you wrote about, which is interesting to me, Charlie. You wrote this right. uh, just a couple of days ago. Wall Street egging on freezing egg pregnancy delays. Tell us about this one. Well, you know, it came to me through a banking source who sat down with somebody and they told about they talked about their daughter. And their daughter was a 26-year-old woman at Morgan Stanley who said that the latest craze to, to get ahead, and it's kind of, a, a, a again, a virtue signaling thing, is that if you if you freeze your eggs, you're telling you're essentially telling management they believe uh, these kids believe that um, that that you're going to be around for a while. You're not going to like you're not going to get pregnant, and you know therefore you're you're ripe for um, 
for uh, for advancement. You know, you're you're in the, you're, and so I said, wow, really? So I did did some. I called a bunch of people up. I had my assistant. Who, again, my assistant's thirty years old. She she talked to she knows women on the street that are in that age bracket, and it turned out to be true. I then called a friend of mine, a woman exec, longtime exec. She's uh, she's older. She's very successful. She's now you know a consultant, but she worked at Morgan Stanley and, and a big asset management firm. I mean, she's been there. And I asked her about this, and she said there is this vibe among young, younger women. And her daughter actually works on the street as well um, about this. And I said, wow, what a crazy story. Hmm. And um, you know who helped me with this story, kind of framing it a little bit, was Laura Ingram, believe it or not. So I was on Laura's show talking about the Santas the other night. And before we got on, I, you know, she said, what are you working on? And I told her. And she started telling me about, you know, this is really crazy. The, there's obviously a religion. And, I, and I, I, I didn't put this together. I was focused on the compulsory thing aspect of it. But she said, you know, first off, this is not without its complications, acres. You should just, you should, if you're going to do it, ladies, read up on it. There's a, there, there are complications involved. And then there's a religious element to it. I mean, you know, if you're a Catholic, if you're, if you're a Christian, you, you know, there is, there's that. So th- this sort of compulsory thing has other dimensions that, hmm. and, and I then I address that in the story, as, as you could tell from reading it. Yep. Um, and I, I think it's just a, it, it, it gives you an insight into Wall Street and what's going on in corporate America. I try to bring that to these columns, you know, like oh, an you insight do. Oh, yeah. where, the, where it is. You don't try to do anything, Charlie. You succeed. Others try. The reason why you're the best, Charlie Gasparino, is you succeed like you just did during this Monday morning conversation. It was great, buddy. I love you. Thank you so much for coming on. Do it again very soon, please. Thank you. Anytime, Sid. Talk to you soon. My man, Charles Gasparino, he's so good. Charlie, such a smart guy. He knows Wall Street, business, money. We got a lot of folks on doing that stuff on this show, from Cudlow to Monica to Ronnie and Santa. But Charlie Gasparino, that's that's the real deal right there, bro. That'd be the real deal. Like this man, Bruce Springsteen, downbound train. Friends in the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. I love this song, Abba Dancing Queen, as we start the fourth and final hour of today's program. And what a show it's been already. Dove Hyken, Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, Joseph Tacopina, Charlie Gasparino. But I was reading the paper on the way in at uh, 3.45 a.m. this morning, and I read this uh, column, Trump's insane lies on DeSantis 
trash successful conservative policies. And it's uh, Carol Markowitz. And I love Carol. You know that. Bernie liked it too, but I love her. In fact, I heard her on with Brian Kilmeade last week. So I texted her at 4 o'clock in the morning, which is really disrespectful. But I always assume the person's asleep. It's not going to bother them. And when they wake up, they'll see it. And hopefully that was the case here. So I, I never wait because I'm afraid I'm going to forget about it. So with that said, here she is. Used to be in New York, but made the right move and moved to Florida. The great Carol Markowitz. Carol, good morning. Hi, Sid. Thanks so much for having me. You, you, didn't, you did not wake me up. Okay, good, 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 <laughs> good, good. Because some people like me, I sleep with the phone next to me because the alarm goes off at 3.30. Don't wake up my wife. So if I get texted, right. I wake up. But good, I'm glad I didn't. You know, before <laughs> I get to this Trump story, I always yeah. think about you and I think about education. So I woke mm-hmm. up yesterday and I started to watch Jane Pauley. I don't watch her very often. I used to love Charles Osgood. I don't really like Jane Pauley's show. It's way too liberal for mm-hmm. me. But anyway, I watched the show. And I didn't realize that today the American Libraries Association are voting on banning more books, you know. And Mm -hmm. um, this has uh, become a very, very big deal. So I saw this report about these two ladies, the Moms of Liberty. I love these ladies. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. then going back and forth, books, for example, like Gender Queer has uh, been the most challenged book since 2022. And by the way, you can bet your ass I don't want that book in a school with my kid. That doesn't make me mm-hmm. a bad person. That makes me a good parent. What do you think about this whole banning book thing? And by the way, that do- does go back to your governor, Ron DeSantis. Right. I mean, the idea that these books are being banned is just silly. I mean, you cannot have certain books around small children. It's it's just the way it is. And if you looked at these books that are being, quote, unquote, banned from elementary school libraries, you would say, why is this in middle school or high school libraries either? Um, These are not books for children. There are graphic sex acts depicted in these books. They are straight up porn. I I think that we've gotten to a point where we use words like ban, even though no books are actually banned in in any part of Florida. Um, But I think school districts can be able to decide for themselves what books they should have in their libraries. I think Governor DeSantis is setting a correct path and saying books like this should not be allowed. Um, And and there's nothing wrong with that at all. I think what's happening is, the argument against it is insane. The kids should just have access to all books all the time. We don't let them watch rated R movies. We shouldn't let them have books like this. But what they do is then is they go the other way. So now all of a sudden, Catcher in the Rye, one of my favorite books yeah. ever. John Stein, yeah. yeah, right. John Steinbeck books. Now the other mm-hmm. side, they're going to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Or, you know, they, they tried to ban Gone with the Wind because it was racist, which is complete nonsense. Yeah. So now you get yourself in kind of a slippery slope, Carol, in that – they're going to come at us with some of the real classics. What well, do you do then? That's what they're doing. That's, what they're, that's what's yeah. happening. Um, and, again, I think that that's crazy, but it's still not a book ban. I think, you know, Flor- uh, California bans books all the time, you know, quote-unquote bans from their schools, just like the kind of books you're talking about. To Kill a Mockingbird is frequently banned in California yeah. schools. Yep. Um, so which is it? You know, like, I, do we have a problem with books being, you know, so-called banned or, or, or we don't? Um, I don't think those books should be taken out of schools. But if California school districts think that, that that's not acceptable, that's really their decision. And it's a lot of Californians making the decision to get out of there because of stupid policies like that. By the way, To Kill a Mockingbird, just to let you know how much that book means to my family. I've got one son, Carol, Gabriel, 14 years old. His middle name is Atticus. 
uh, named Atticus ah. Finch. Yeah. <laughs> so we love that book. Um, you know, really what this comes down to, though, I think you'll agree, Carol, is mm-hmm. it's less about the books. I mean, it is sad that some of these classics are being treated like genderqueer. That's really ridiculous. Right. But it's more about why is it not okay for mommy and daddy to make those decisions and not some young girl who's now moving to Brooklyn because she feels like she couldn't get it done elsewhere in Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. who's got, you know, green hair and, and a piercing in her nose. That's the issue. Well, that, absolutely, that's the issue. But it goes beyond that because we need to be able to trust our schools not to have pornographic materials in, in the school library. I, I think that that's something standard that all parents would would be okay with. Um, you know, the other thing is, is that when they insert these pornographic books into school libraries, they're often on an LGBT theme. And the reason that they do this is that if you challenge it, you become anti-gay or anti-trans or whatever, even though I would have the exact same reaction if it was straight sex depicted in these books, you know, aimed at third graders. Right. So I, the, I think that it's not crazy for parents to say, absolutely not in my kid's school library. No, I, I don't accept this. I agree with you about DeSantis, too, what he wants to do down in Florida. And uh, just, you know, I like Ryan a lot. And, you know, I lived in Boca Raton for 16 years. He was not the governor back then, Wick Scott was. But right. I like him a lot. Uh, he's my second favorite choice. <laughs> Unfortunately, right. my first favorite choice is the guy you just bludgeoned with a heavy hammer in today's New York Post. <laughs> but, but, you know, listen. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Sid. You like Trump. I totally get that. I like Trump. Um, but the thing is, do you, uh, do you think that his campaigning where he's not only destroying Ron DeSantis, which, okay, whatever, it's a primary. I have no problems with candidates going hard against each other. But when he came for Florida last week, I couldn't stand for that. And that's yeah. why I came after him today in the post. And if you're a big fan of his, not just you, Sid, but anybody listening, you cannot be supporting him trashing the model Republican state in the country. What are we doing here if not to promote the policies that Ron DeSantis is pushing in Florida? And so if he has a problem with Florida, if Trump has a problem with Florida, which I don't believe he actually does. No, he doesn't. Um, you know, I, I, I want to know what are the policies that he would be supporting? Yeah. If he were, you know, well, in charge of any state. Well, two things. First of all, uh, his daughter-in-law, Lara, is on the show every two weeks. Her and I have gotten very, very close. She's fantastic. Yeah, and our yeah. son, Eric. And I've said to them, I go, I don't understand why he has to go hard after DeSantis. I know he's his challenger in the primary, but DeSantis is a good guy. He's a Republican. And by the way, I don't want to hear about DeSantis's policies because the truth is, Carol... DeSantis' mm-hmm. policies are Trump's. Trump's the guy that started all this. Ronnie is just kind of repeating what Donald started back in 2016. But I do agree. Well. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Yes. Let, let's, let's talk about that. Go ahead. So, I, 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 look, in our book, Stolen Youth, I give Trump for credit for saying, for trying to get schools open, for try, you know, saying schools should open during the COVID pandemic. Right. But then Ron DeSantis actually opened the schools in his state and actually got them to open on time and throughout the year and and I, that's when we decided to move. And, and why? But why? Why was Ron DeSantis able to do that? Because your president of the United States at that time had enough trust in the governors to allow mm. Ron DeSantis to do that. Okay, then why did Trump let Fauci make the policies that DeSantis was then forced to oppose in his own state? There were points where Trump stood with Fauci against DeSantis because DeSantis was opening the state. And that's part of the thing that I write in the column is that he, he says that DeSantis 
lockdown, which we all know is nonsense. I mean, he locked down for the shortest period. But he also says that DeSantis opened too early and that a lot of people died. And he pushes the leftist conspiracy theory that that the Florida fudged its numbers, which is ridiculous. So, again, I have no problem with him attacking DeSantis, but this is not attacking DeSantis. This is attacking conservative policies that work. No, you're right, and you didn't lie in your piece. Everything you I said know. is factually true. Yeah. I'm just, I'm so upset with the country, and I, I'm, I'm into sports, you know that, and I want mm-hmm. the guy that did it. There's a lot of guys with potential. They got great potential. He's going to be great, and there's a guy that did it. Ronnie's got a lot of potential. Running the state of Florida is mm-hmm. not running the United States. I know Donald can do it because for the better part of three and a half years, I saw him do it, and now he's got a burning desire to do it again. So even though you're well, right, you're right. Yeah. As I say in the column, which I'm, I agree with you, so that should be what, the, what Trump runs on. I did it, and you want to see me do it again. Things were good when I was president, etc. That's what he should be running on, not that I Florida agree. is a, a hellscape. And You're that's right. all I'm saying in this column. I'm saying if you want to have a smart campaign, if you want to win, then you, maybe you should run on your accomplishments and not try to trash the greatest yeah. Republican state in the country. Look, 700,000 people have moved to Florida over in the last three years, and our family is among them because of smart policies. You're trashing conservative policies when you say that Florida is a disaster. I get that you want to go after Ron DeSantis, and you should, and do it. Go. Primaries are, are dirty, and they should be. I don't have any problem with that. I have a problem with attacking conservative policies that are working in the greatest Republican state in the country. I can't argue. I mean, and, and where Donald yes, Trump I looks know. and where he looks really stupid is he lives in that state. I mean, it'll yeah, be one thing. So it is his whole family, everybody. <laughs> we know it's amazing here. Uh, yeah, and, they, and they're never coming back. I talked to Lara. I talked to Kimberly. I talked to Eric. They're never coming back. They love Why it there. Why would yeah. they? Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic here. Well, how come I came back at 48 years old? I don't know. Big mistake. No, Big one, mistake. no it wasn't. You know what? I, no, I'll tell you why I did it, to be honest, is in this business that I'm in, I just yeah. couldn't, I couldn't make the money. I couldn't get the traction. Working, right. at, a, working at a sports station on Ives Dairy Road, Carol, just doesn't get it done. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. it. We miss you, and you're welcome back anytime. Well, I, I may be back at some point. I'm, I'm getting old and tired, to be honest. Uh, the book <laughs> Stolen Youth, uh, you've mentioned it once or twice during this conversation. Yeah. It's a great book. But folks have not gotten it yet. Give them a little lowdown on Stolen Youth. It's on how the woke target children for indoctrination, and both Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis have a lot of complimentary mentions in the book because they both have done a lot for fighting this kind of indoctrination of children. It is just unbelievable that any political party would do this. I just, I mean, it's kids. Yeah. It's kids, and they they should be off limits, but they're not because leftist cultural revolutions always rely on separating the family and ideologically capturing the children, and this is no different. So can you tell me, you're in um, Broward County or Palm Beach County? You know, I say South Florida for, okay. for public purposes. Right, right. <laughs> you're, you're, people have to kill you like me, I understand. So, uh, <laughs> so are you entirely sure, Carol, can you speak yeah. on behalf of the majority of the schools, public and yeah. or private, mm-hmm. in your county, that right. it's completely different than a place like New York, these Democrats? Oh, my gosh, Sid, you know I can. Uh, so I would say I have 
two kids in public, one kid in private. And um, I, the private school thing is new for us because we always had public school children. So I'm still like monitoring private school, but although I haven't seen any wokeness there, to be totally honest. Um, but I, I feel more threatened by private schools in general because they are not under Ron DeSantis's control. And what he has done with the public schools in Florida is miraculous. I think that he has just limited how much nonsense is taught in the classroom. And my kids are getting such a good education here. It's it's really stellar. They went to great schools in New York City, but those schools made them put on like climate protests and anti-gun protests mm. and protests against hate. And they tried to turn them into little activists. And I'm not having that. And that's not what happens in Florida. Oh, my, my kid's school now wants to do a whole course on BLM. And right. I, already, I pulled them right. out of his last school. Yeah. No, I know. Mm-hmm. I pulled them out of his last school, which, by the way, cost me six figures. Private schools, both of them. Right. They want to do BLM. I mean, I, my wife had to literally control me at my birthday dinner Saturday because I was ready to go there at 9 o'clock on Saturday night. <laughs> I got crazy. Right. I mean, you kidding me? BLM. These people are yeah. buying mansions. So um, I guess on the way out, were you disappointed? that this GOP donor last week, he was not the only one, but he's a big money guy, pulled money from DeSantis because they feel like between his abortion ban and his banning books that he's not as electable as they once thought he was. I mean, absolutely not. Donors can do whatever they want. I actually hate the practice of targeting donors for their behavior. They can do, they can support whoever they want. And I don't think it's appropriate to hold the opinions of donors over candidates. I'm not going to look into this donor and see what, what dumb opinions he has in his life and then blame Trump for those opinions. And and like I, I just find that attacks on donors is something only Republicans do. Democrats do not go after their own donors. That's crazy. And so I, I don't like it at all. I'm Donors can support whoever they want. If he, his values align closer with Trump, if he thinks Trump is able to win, go for it. I have no issue. So then on the way out, and we'll do this more than once, we're still a ways off from November 2024, even the primary, Mm -hmm. but we'll start today. You're very smart, Carol, very, very smart. (laughs) So putting aside your personal feelings, you love Florida, you love the Santa. Today, who's got the best chance of being president for the Republicans? Wait, who has the best chance of being president? Who has the best chance of the Republicans? Well, I, 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 still, no, I, I still think Biden <laughs> I think, is... I think uh, you're Biden, not going to yeah. like my answer. Yeah. The, who I think has the best chance of being president is Joe Biden. So do I. I think that he is the favorite to win. So do I. Um, I, I said that to Rich so, Lowry an hour and a half ago. I still think he's the odds-on yeah, favorite. But what Republicans course. got yeah. the best chance to beat him? Listen, if you don't think it's Ron DeSantis, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it just, we're not, what what makes 2024 different from 2020? If you think that Biden has the best chance to win right now, which I do as well. I think that it's very hard to beat the incumbent. I think the Democrats have a lot of advantages on the ground that Republicans don't. I think the vote harvesting that Republicans are refusing to do, what Democrats do regularly, is something that we need to fix. Um, but I think that Ron DeSantis is, he at least has a chance to bring in independent voters, which I do not see Donald Trump doing anymore. Fair enough. I love having you on. I really want to bring you Thank on more so often. So I'm Anytime. Gonna, I'm going to keep texting you at 3.30 in the morning, okay? <laughs> no problem. <laughs> great column. Great job. Thank you, Carol. Thank you so much. Take Thank care. you. Go read that column today. It's really good. Today's New York Post. She's right. Everything she said is right. I love Trump, but she nails him on this, and he's guilty on all charges in this column. Trump's insane lies on DeSantis' trans successful conservative policy. She's right. We'll take a short break. More to do. Your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me. Monday morning. Be right back.
Kid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Kevin Breslin checks in. His father, Jimmy Breslin, talking about books and banning books. The guy that couldn't shoot straight. Jimmy was a great writer here in New York for many, 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 many years. And it turns out his son, Kevin, works out with me at the gym in Rock. Well, used to at least. When I lived in Bell Harbor before I was relocated back in early January. I've been home for, uh, what is it now, five months? It's been a long time, bro. You don't want to go home. Yeah. Miss my house. Which yeah. Cliff is doing a great job, and he keeps telling me Memorial Day weekend, which will be a great time to get back to the beach. Perfect timing. Yeah. I mean, I live on the water now, but it's not the same. The Hudson River and the ocean are just not the same. And the people who live in the city are such dicks, and they just are. And even by down where you are, which is a nice neighborhood. Very nice. You still have the crazies that are running on the boardwalk. And well, all that crazies, stuff, yeah. the crazies are not as bad as the people that think they're sane, which is you right. know, these downtown, these New York, New York people are the worst, man. I'm just telling you the worst, the worst. I'm, I'm with you. I and, hate them. And my building, everybody's got a dog. Some have two or three, you know, and I love, I've been over this before. Already. I love dogs, but it's way too much. Every restaurant by my building, you go to Seymour's, you go to Elvis. I got dogs. You walk through the mall, they got dogs. I mean, I had dogs my whole life. I didn't take dogs to restaurants and malls and take the dog out for a walk. Go to the park. There's beautiful parks there. And when you go out for dinner with your friends, leave the dog at home. Just leave it at home. Ridiculous. But they're just, you know, they're just, they walk around. Like, I listen, and I'm, I guess I'm no better because I got a pedicure yesterday. Fine. Well, I just don't like cutting my own toes. toenails. Fine. I get pedicures. I like when she rubs my feet. It's, yeah. So do I. You get it too? Yeah. Yeah, I do What's like it. What's wrong with pedicures? Got to get rid of that. Got to get rid of that whole stigma. It's not that it's like a gay thing to do. It's just like like just cut your nails. Like you're going to spend thirty bucks for what? But I enjoy the whole experience, you right? Know, which makes me no better than these people. No. But when I go, I'm a guy. I go by myself. I sit there. I, I watch sports on my phone, and you know the whole thing. And right. girls show up. There's like ten of them. Oh my god, it's a whole one, thing. And and one lady's doing her toes. One lady's doing her nails. She's got two girlfriends to the right, two girlfriends to the left. She's got the freaking dog. I can't wait to get out of there. Too much. Way too much. They had to start developing a sort of um, uh, like a, 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 sal- a salon, like a pedicure woman who can come to your house and do it at your house. 
My name is Danielle. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, I don't mind it. In Rockaway, it's different. They're not. They're not crazy like these people. Right. These. This is like the Hamptons. No, the Hamptons crowd. You know, the Jersey Shore crowd. These douchebags. Yeah, hate that crowd. Hate them. Mm. Hate them. The worst. I like Frank Catania, but the rest of them are. Like, yeah, yeah. That's it. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm, the whole thing's got me annoyed. It is. I got to get out. And now Eva's coming home. That's what I was going to say. Now you get. I mean, so that's going to be a lot. We only have two bedrooms. So we have a couch that's in the, the living room, which is connected to the kitchen. And the couch pulls out to a bed. And like when Danielle's mad at me, that's where I sleep. You know? <laughs> I don't. But now Ava's going to sleep there. So you can't exit or enter the apartment without walking past that area. You're so screwed, dude. 4.15 in the morning. If I fart, I'm going to hear about it before, for a week. It's, there's, no, there's no getting around it. No. So she's going to get all crazy, Ava, because she's like, I'm quiet. And then she wakes up Danielle, wakes up Gabe, and. Whole domino effect. At that point, you just, you just have to get out. Yeah. You got to get out now. Yeah. So she was supposed to come home in June, my daughter. And I miss her. I miss her desperately. Don't get me wrong. I love my daughter. I miss her. But there's just so many other things that go into it. It, be, it becomes a complete nightmare. Then she goes out to like 4 in the morning with her friends. And right. Danielle can't go to sleep. And she's in a stressful, bad mood about it. And it puts me in a bad mood. And, like, we never fight when Ava's not home. Mm. When Ava's home, we fight all the time. So... Yeah, I mean, that's what happens. You know, you got a girl in college. Yeah, well, she's coming home now, so she's not in college. Well, but that age. No, I know. I get it, yeah. So. Yeah. A lot of stress, you know? Well, yeah, and that's why you come here, so you get that, that you could uh, exercise it all. Well, I think she's coming home Friday night, I think, which means I can't go to this baseball game. Oh, the Ferryhawks. Yeah. Mm. Friday night, April 28th, opening weekend for your Staten Island Ferryhawks. That's my guy, Homer Bush, baby. That's my guy. And, of course, uh, John and Margo and uh, Eric Scheffler and Gary Perone and Ray Israeli, the whole crew, crew I should say. And uh, I got tickets for you. It's supposed to be a nice weekend, too, I believe. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Low 70s, a little bit of sunshine, good baseball weather. Yeah. Join 77 WABC hosts and the Staten Island Ferry Hawks for opening night. Very exciting. This Friday night, April 28th at 7 p.m. Catch the excitement of Ferry Hawks baseball. I love those games. I went to a bunch last year. I loved them. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, if you uh, if you can't afford a Yankees or, uh, or a Mets game. Yeah. Even if the, you can. Right. Even if you can, bring the fam out to uh, the Ferry Hawks. I actually went, uh, it was a Sunday, too. The Giants were playing the Panthers. Maybe the second week of the NFL season. And I was at a Ferry Hawks baseball game and loved go. it. Didn't there even complain. Yeah. We're trying to, I, I know that there was an idea floating around at some point having you do a play by play game. Well, they did say that just a couple of weeks ago, yeah. That'd I don't know who I would do it with, but. I don't know. Do it with Lou. I did it for the Brooklyn Cyclones on MSG. Yeah. Me and John G and Owen. It'd be a blast. Yeah. Go to wabcradio.com slash Ferry Hawks for your free pair of tickets. Opening weekend, but it all gets going Friday night. This Friday. 7 p.m. That's a great area down there. And uh, John, the stadium just adds to it. It's very exciting. Very, very cool. All right, what are we doing? Are we doing the, uh, the game today? Yeah, we should get a contestant What, is the, what is the game about? But we had so many great. It was on Monday. We had six great guests. We six. did. Yeah, we did. So when you uh, morons out there start these websites and go, all Sid does is talk about himself, you couldn't sound like a bigger idiot. I know. It's I like, mean, you couldn't be dumber. Those, but those, you, you just yeah. couldn't be dumber. Those are the people, though, that turn on the show for like five minutes. They don't even turn it on for five minutes. They turn it on for four hours. Yeah. They listen to every word I say, everything I say. Mm, All Sid does is talk about himself. I put it on for two minutes today. He's talking about his, his wife and his kids. Who cares? 
Who cares? That's why I got a 7.7, dick face. Yeah, dick face. Not because yeah. I'm talking about Donald Trump for the millionth time. Yeah. Tell him, morons. Tell him. Noam, what are you laughing at? Why, why does Noam sit out there? I notice he sits out there. He's got this S-eating grin on. Yeah. And he laughs the whole... Every time I complain mm-hmm. about something... What is that done, Noam? Well, he was playing something off his computer. Now, he's now, I'm, now I'm getting Well, you, you love it when I complain about stuff. You just love that. I you? do, because you know some of it's so similar to my life that I can live through you. I can't complain. <laughs> Vicariously, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about your kids? Like, same thing. Like, I had one come home at 3 in the morning this morning. No, no, it was yesterday. 3 in the morning Sunday. You know, it's like the one night I, day I can sleep in, dogs oh. barking. Oh. But I can't tell him. Is that Gabriel? Yeah, Gabe was home for the weekend. So How old is Gabe now? He's uh, 19. Oh, so he was out doing drugs and banging chicks? And... We can only hope, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's one way to do it. <laughs> You'd rather have him doing that than uh, sitting at home alone in the corner on his phone. Yeah, you know? no, that's true. So he came home at 3 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, because the dog, of course, starts barking, does and now wife, I'm like, awake. Does your wife, like, my wife gets all stressed out. and then Yeah. Oh, so well, she gets stressed thing. out when I leave, too. I know. I can't win no matter what. And then I usually, I try not to wake anybody up on the way out. Right. But then the dog sometimes, you know... Kind of yelps at me on the way out, so that wakes somebody up. Well, the best up. was a couple of weeks ago in my effort, and I usually don't wake anybody up. I'm very good with that. I'm really, really good with that. But I stubbed my toe, <laughs> and it was loud. Right, right. But in the meantime, I'm, I start bleeding profusely. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to lose the toe. <laughs> right. And she's yelling at me. She doesn't care. Doesn't yeah. care. No. The blood is everywhere. Right. I, you know, I can't stop the blood. i got to put socks on, a pair of dress shoes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, bro? And, and, and so then, I don't know about you, but I'll go into the shower. Right, and I of course that makes a little noise, a little but, bit, yeah. Right, and, and so invariably, like I'll do something, like I'll drop the soap, oh, so it'll bang really hard against the shower floor, oh, no. and the dog will bark, and then she'll, and then I get, a, what are you doing? I, well, and dog, I'm like, I'm just showering. Well, like, the dog know, is a big issue. It is. That I'm thinking about getting rid of get the dog. Get rid of the dog. Yeah, <laughs> the dog's a pain. Yeah. I love the Does dog. Does your wife wear? Uh, my wife wears earplugs. Uh, my wife actually now has the sound machine going. And what does that do? Like? You know, oh, like rivers and. You know, I bought one of those like a hundred years ago at, uh, what was the name of that place? Had like six different oh. settings, babbling brooks and yeah. rivers and oceans. Yeah. Yeah. Remember those places? They uh... The one that had like the comfortable chairs, yes! the massage chairs. <laughs> yes! I can't think of the name of it. Yes! It was in every single mall in America. Exactly right. And you'd look at the massage chair and it was like $5,000. You're like, I'm never going to have the Brookstone. Brookstone, wasn't that the name of it? I think it was Brookstone. Brookstone. Is yeah. that it? Yes. Yeah. So they oh, had the sound hilarious. machine. So she has that cranked, but still somehow she hears, you know, the noise in, even over that, that sound machine. They do. And then I get, when I get home, by the way, so you and I, we've had like four and a half hours of sleep. Oh, sharp when I image. get home, she tells me how jo- tired she is. Joe Nolan, sharper image too. Um, well, my wife does the same, but to, to her credit, she does work, you know. Your wife doesn't. She just No, does. she works. What does she do? She does a lot of things. She does nothing. No, she does. She what does. does she do? She plays tennis? I don't know. She doesn't want me talking about her on the air. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> so, but she complains because Danielle complains. She's, but then she comes home, she cooks like she is tired. I feel bad for Danielle. Wait, you make her cook when she comes home? I don't make her do anything. What You've been home all her? day. Why don't you cook? I don't know how to make anything. <laughs> I could barely get a bowl of cereal done without spilling milk all over the place. Right. Sydney knows how to do one thing. And What's that? And it's breathe into that microphone. Right. Four hours a day, man. Mm-hmm. There is nobody that comes close. The other 20 hours, everything's debatable. Everything. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm very good in bed, too, i got to say. So you're good? Only I'm going to say that, though. No. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's not going to say that. Right, she's not. <laughs> I, second, I second that point. What? Oh, my God. Two people have agreed with uh, Sharper Image. Frankie Kravitz. Oh, okay. Sharper Image. And Joan right. Wasn't yeah. Brookstone one, or am I just making that up? Uh, Brookstone's was one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Another one for Sharper Image. They're coming in uh, by the dozens here, Sharper huh. Image. Abraham Hamra checks in, my buddy A.B. He says you got to marry him young. <laughs> yeah, listening to your show, good one today. You marry him young and they don't complain all that much. That's, that's I the don't point. know about that. But I was young, too, when I married her. I guess he means like you get older than you marry him young. I guess I, I don't you. know. Oh, like trade the men. In right. Other words. Like, oh, you trade your it's not a bad in. idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can do that on the air if you oh, could find me a new God. one. All right. Uh, that's a fascinating conversation, folks. I hope you enjoyed that. We've had, again, so many great guests today. We had Dolph Hyken talking about this uh, Jewish kid. And, and talking about Abraham Hamler, what a horrible story this is. This uh, kid with autism who was beaten up in Las Vegas, and they carved a swastika in his back. Horrible story. So we had Dove Hiking on today. We had uh, Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, Joseph Tacopina, Charlie Gasparino, Carol Markowitz. We're going to play the game now, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Get ourselves a contestant. Boy. Now it's time for Sid's Take. Good luck. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Indeed it is. Your Monday morning edition of the Peerless Boilers Sid's Take Trivia Game. Sponsored again by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. Because... Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers, they are the world's best built. Boilers, Justin Ellick here, your host for the great Sid's Take trivia game. Bob, he's out in Jersey City. Hey, Bob. How you doing? I'm good, brother. How's your Monday morning going? Great. All right. You think you got a shot at the game today? Probably not. Ah, well, that's a um, good outlook. Uh, you got Movie Monday. All right. Uh, give you a little movie trivia. And five questions, and see how many you get right, okay? All right. All right, here we go, buddy. Number one, what is the name of the skyscraper in Die Hard? Nakatomi Building. Nakatomi Plaza, but we'll give it to you. Number two, one for one, Bob. In The Matrix, does Neo take the blue pill or the red pill? The red pill. Very good. Two for two. You get a little harder now. On to number three. The first Oscar awarded in the new makeup category went to Rick Baker in 1982 for turning David Naughton into what folklore creature in London? A werewolf. Spectacular. Very good. Three for three, Bob. You're on fire. On to number four. For what movie did Tom Hanks score his first Academy Award nomination? Philadelphia. The correct answer, big. Philadelphia, though, good movie as well. Here we go on to number five. Starring Tom Hanks, here we go, as a gay man with AIDS. What was the first major studio film to deal with the disease and the stigma it carried? Oh, Philadelphia. There you go, Bob. Spectacular. <laughs> Funny how that works out. All right, Bob. You went uh, four for five there, man. That's a good showing. So that optimism that you didn't have uh, was ill-advised, my bud. You did a good job, four for five. We'll get the uh, the big man's effort here coming up very shortly. You'll hang out on hold, okay, Bob? And you'll get to hear if you're a winner or a loser. 
So Let's do it. You ready? I'm ready to go. All right. You got to go five for five. You got to go perfect. He went four out of five? That's it. Yep. Uh, Correct. Uh, Number one, what is the name of the skyscraper in Die Hard? Oh, my God. I don't know. Some Japanese. Uh, Nakasaki. Oh, close. I don't know. Nakatomi Plaza. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. I wrote it. Yeah. All right. Up for one. He got that right, this guy? Yeah. Really? Well, uh, he said Nakatomi Building, but that's not the Oh, uh, that's close enough. That's yeah. close enough. Yeah. All right, on to number two. In the Matrix, does Neo take the blue pill or the red pill? I took the blue pill last night. Okay, cool. What does Neo take, though? I don't care. Oh. I took the blue pill. And it worked, huh? <laughs> Damn well. <laughs> I mean... Uh, but Neo, he took the red pill. There you go. Well. Red pill, blue pill, it all works. <laughs> yeah. One for two. On to number three. The first Oscar awarded in the new makeup category went to Rick Baker in 1982 for turning David Naughton into what folklore creature in London? Not my daughter's boyfriend. Yeah. American Werewolf. There you go. On to number David four. Norton? Yeah. The same guy that sings, making it. Yep. This time in life, I'm making it. Yep. No. All right, sorry. Yep. Mm-hmm. There you go. Same guy. That's yeah. <laughs> number four. Two for three. For what movie did Tom Hanks score his first Academy Award nomination? Nomination or win? Nomination. Oh, tough. He won for Forrest Gump, and he won for Philadelphia. I think he was also nominated for Joe versus a Volcano. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with Philadelphia. Oh. oh. Big. No. Yeah. It was big. He was nominated for big? Yeah. Let me tell you something. He was unbelievable in that movie. I know. He had a 14-year-old kid down to a science. Can you tell me what former TV great made that movie? Because don't forget, he started on Bosom Buddies, Tom Hanks, with Peter Scolari. Who right. made the movie big? Who made the movie yes. big? I don't know. She I... went by the name of Laverne. That was a Penny Marshall movie. Oh, how about that? I don't know. How about that? I, I don't know. I, I literally have no idea. So. Yeah. Okay, on to number five. You've already lost today's game. That's fine. Starring Tom Hanks as a gay man with AIDS. Here you go. What was the first major studio film to deal with the de- disease and the stigma it Philadelphia. carried? There you go. Who played the attorney for Tom Hanks in that? Oh, I have no idea. Never really? Yeah, I've never seen it. i got to see it. Oh, you know the answer to that. Uh, no, I don't. Denzel Washington. Oh, there you go. Well, I didn't know that. I've never seen the movie. Well, you should see it. Well, you're you're damn right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of old news already, AIDS, but you yeah. should still see it. I mean, there's basically, we basically cured it, you know? We did? I kind of think so. I don't think so. You don't think so? No. <laughs> no? Have we, we cured AIDS yet? No. <laughs> no, we didn't cure AIDS. There's never been a cure for no. AIDS. There, you can maintain uh, it, but there's no cure. Right. right. Okay. Yeah, well. like, it doesn't kill people like it used to. What's the cure for cancer, no? There is none. Oh. Sorry, I thought we figured that one out. No. no. We don't have cures for a lot of stuff still today. Mm-hmm. Really, is unbelievable when you think about it that people are still dying from some of these diseases. No, no, just unbelievable. Yeah. With all the advances we make in, in so many areas in life, and we can't figure this thing out, especially cancer, it's just terrible, terrible, terrible. All right, we got to take a uh, short break. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up. It's been a great Monday show. Right after these short messages. Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC.
Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty Sound of their breath fades with the light I think about the loveless fascination Under the Milky Way tonight Lower the curtain down So Patty, our friend Patty, and her husband, who makes these great shirts that I wear to the gym almost every day now, make America number one again with the Sid on the back. She sent the shirt, which she, they sent me prior, all of us, in gray and blue, much like Anthony Barbarisi sends us shirts. And now she sent them in like a, a different color, blues and greens and pinks, and she's the absolute best. Patty, we love you. Thank you. We love the shirt. We love your husband. We love you. Shirts are great. Six different colors, and I'll be wearing one to the gym later on today, I promise. But done. Lou will be back tomorrow. He was out uh, with COVID. First time he ever got it, him and MJ. Unbelievable. Yeah. And you've done just yeoman's work in uh, doing everybody's job. Everybody. Well, thank you. Thank you, bro. Thank you. You're great. I think uh, I think the world of you. Know, I love you. So thank but, you. Uh, you get some help tomorrow with Lewis. All right. You got to stop turning me on. It's getting weird. I know. It's kind of gay. You and Noam were great. Noam, great job today, brother. Is that uh, Rodabelli's daughter? It is. Liz so, Rodabelli. You already fired Filippi already? Philip, whatever? Uh, no, no. He's just on vacation. Oh, okay. You never know people get fired. Already. <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. I like this. Nice girl. They saw at the Christmas party. I love her father, Rich. Yeah, if you could only say her name right. Then. What is her name? Uh, it's Rodabelli. What is that? Ratabali. That's her first name? No, that's her no, last Liz name. Is it's Liz, Liz Ratabali. <laughs> oh, Liz. Okay. Her dad is Rich Ratabali. He's a good guy, Rich. Yeah, not Ratabelli, not Ratabol. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Fine. We're back again tomorrow morning at uh, 6 a.m. Enjoy this Monday here in New York City. From all of us to all of you, including Liz Ratabelli, 